Howdy do there are they's, thems, men's, and fems. Welcome to the first potentially annual one with the films, totally objective, semi-sarcastic, and definitely not pointless and persistently relevant 2022 year in review film awards. Beautiful. Now, this is where we do all the justice that we possibly can to all the films we definitely saw during 2022. Now, this is emphasis on films we saw. Don't start talking to me about uh, Tar, The Whale, Pinocchio, either version. Decision to leave, Marcel the Shell with shoes on, Triple R, Triangle of Sadness, Barbarian, Don't Worry Darling. I mean, listen, just, just don't at me. Just don't at me, okay? Did you all actually right, now watch any films last year because based on that list i think you saw nothing like why are you even here huh that's what i thought anyway you I, bitch you didn't see films too why well, don't you go over here and stop making me seem like that i um there is actually a handful of films bitch, you didn't see films that are on my top five well, like... that's not my fault, because some of them actually didn't come out. Like, for example, I know that Babylon probably oh, would be in my top 10, Oh, now you're going to pull five. the international card. It's not my fault. Tell these people to give me films at the uh, at an adequate time. Um, but I missed a bunch. I missed um, Woman King. There was Kimmy, which I think is on Disney+, Plus that I wanted to see. Decision to Leave, After Sun, which uh, I think were two of Tyler's favorite oh, films, I which I really wanted either. to see. Um, Emily the Criminal was playing at MIFF here, the Melbourne International Shit, Film Festival. I didn't see that, too. See, you suck. I didn't see Tar, but again, good excuse. It's not out for another month. I didn't see Babylon, but I'm booked to see it on Monday when it comes out in Australia. I didn't see The Whale, but I'm booked to see it on the 23rd, which is a pre-release for when it comes out in Australia. And um, I also really wanted to see Matilda. I really wanted to see that because mm -hmm. it's actually... It, it was written by an Australian musician who is one of my favourite actors and musicians and comedians um really he did the music for the show and he's like I'll, I'll show you some videos after his name is tim minchin he is incredibly talented and that show that i keep telling you to watch upright he's the main character oh all right well there we go well that's fantastic but anyway don't at us because here's <laughs> the thing we are your host tonight as opposed to anybody literally else uh but it's your favorite i mean favorite uh, that's for your Aussie side. Uh, you know, we are your favorite or favorite will they, won't they relationship. Uh, are we bros? Are we hoes? Who knows? Uh, I'm movie K man, the third and sorry. <laughs> are we bros? Are we hoes? Who knows? I'm going to make the tagline on all of our social medias. That is brilliant. I, I is that the one that, that you wrote before. when I saw you? Yeah, that was the one that I wrote that I wasn't going to let you hear. Amazing. Yeah, that was the one. Like, uh, it, the who knows was what killed me when I wrote it. All right. But anyway, as back to this, I am movie K man, the third and people call me queso because I am occasionally spicy, always extra. And I give people the shits often. And this is my favorite person. And joining me today on this day of days, the best thing to come for me in 2022. It's our hotsy totsy <laughs> fotsy Ozzy, my amor from El Salvador. It is Naf. Naf, once you recover from that intro, please what? uh introduce yourself to the lovely people. Okay, so um for those of you who are listening for the first time, every time we have a guest, or even if it's just me and Kay, it 
he has the most incredible intros. I don't know how he does it, because I can't even... Like, I've seen him DM, and he can't even figure out people's names for his NPC characters, but for some reason, he can intro like a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's... You're absolutely right. It's, um, I have to come... Yeah. Fantasy name generator is my friend, or else everybody would name be Bob Jacobson. It has to make me believe that your intros have to be generated by AI. I reckon you're using ChatGPT and going, uh, write me an intro for a very handsome Latino boy that I share a podcast with. And then it writes it. I don't believe it's you, because it's too good. I, I, tr I, I tried, but then I couldn't tell what was signs and what was trees. Mm, but, uh... Fair. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, exactly. um, thank you everybody for joining us. I am Naf, also known as On Second Thought. Um, I, I, I can't beat the intro that Kay's given me. Um, but I know. yeah, we're going to go into our top 2022, uh, films of 2022, I should say, um, in just a bit. As we said, obviously, we haven't seen everything. So if there are some of your favorites and you're in chat, I mean, no spoilers, but let us know um, what we missed and why we're wrong. Like, we'd love to have that conversation with you guys. Absolutely. Um, uh, we can't see everything. There's not enough time in the day, but we would really love to be able to see this. Uh, a lot of our films have been talked about ad, ad nauseum uh, across the space of the internet, but we hope that we can bring to you another pointless award show that can really just, you know, uh, increase your ent enthusiasm for award season. Uh, so, just so for the two goats and a dog who accidentally hit your phone. Uh, like, we're really happy that you're here because uh, it really helps the analytics. And uh, so nonetheless, Naf, what the hell are we doing here? Well, as I was saying, uh, we want to figure out who finished first in 2022. Was it you? Was it me? Was it uh, everything everywhere all at once? Like, who knows? Um, we're going to find uh, well, out. Listen, it, it truly was everything everywhere all at once, uh, if you know what I mean. But uh, so... <laughs> Brilliant. And then it became all quiet on the Western Front. Oh my god. And then afterwards I was left in a triangle of sadness. <laughs> contemplating That's my actions. That's what she said. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Which really made um, the woman king, right? <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> okay, <laughs> so... Um, yeah, we're going to go through... Is that um, wrong, or do we have to cut that in our in our podcast, or is that, like... It'll be fine. We don't I'm have, sure we don't we'll have enough listeners fine. for you to get cancelled. <laughs> I was about to say, like, it's not like anyone's going to report it, because that means someone has to listen. Amazing. Um, but yeah, we've also got a lot to talk about. We've now got a bunch we're of really not cool... worth cancelling. <laughs> we've got a bunch of, um, of really cool categories that we're going to talk about, um, and just kind of, yeah, break them down, give our own individual opinions, and then... Yeah, really just have a bit of a conversation about it. Um, and then hopefully you guys enjoy. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts as well. You can find us at One With The Films everywhere. Now we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on TikTok. Um, you can find us at One With The Films, uh, which is great to know that nobody had that podcast name before us. It makes me happy. It really, it, it, you know, coming up with that was really great. We also have some cool album art and uh, we have, and obviously NAF coming up with uh, that name really great stuff and then the album art is great and we're very excited for all of that uh but to go over the categories because we didn't want to be just like every other uh award show we wanted to do stuff that was completely objective and so uh we have editing production design score biggest disappointment biggest uh surprise as well as best writing subcategory for best line mm. best cinematography also best shot 
whose career was made or changed dramatically by 2022. Uh, breakout star and best non-2022 film you saw in 2022, as well as best supporting actress, less act- actress, be- and then uh, best actor, actress, favorite scenes, best director, and then the grand prize we will give out after our top 10 off, where we get uncharacteristically and unnecessarily heated about either answer, even if we both enjoy the film that the person chose. Amazing. It's going to be insane. It's going to be livid. And as with all of this, we've decided to make this as unhinged as possible. So, I don't know where this is going to go, I'll be honest. But we're going to have a fun time. And for the five goats that listen, and Lou, we're really happy about this. And we hope that you enjoy our unhinged behavior. There will be spoilers with some of these films. We will, eh, we'll see how it goes. But since there, there aren't many people to listen anyway, we're just going to be talking as bluntly as possible about this. Uh, so uh, we'll see where it goes. Awesome. So if you guys are live on stream too, you can see that um, we've actually got the little uh, album art right there in the middle now too. It's really cute. Um, but it's also available on Spotify and all that kind of stuff for you to see too. I'm going to go ahead and hide Aww. that and we're going to get kicked off with uh, what category shall we start with? All right. So we are going to be starting off with uh, editing or also known as the award we expect you to skip but shouldn't. Mm. And uh, mainly because we also put effort into every award, so you should just stay for everything. Uh, <laughs> every but I, once. Am... Yeah. Why are you silent now? What have you done? Did you hit your deafen button? I don't know what happened. Uh, did you unplug your microphone? I think so. Oh, wow. Uh, can you hear me now? Uh, can I can hear, hear you, but you've also ruined All the right. frame. I can see. I'm going to get the framing back. All right, all right, we're back, we're back, we're back. Um, okay. We're back. So, you better put in the podcast version just some like elevator music. <laughs> we're experiencing just some, some like, technical difficulties at this time. Just put um, like the Better Call Saul theme, and we'll just see how quickly we get copyright infringement. It doesn't count as copyright if I sing it. Um, That's but, correct. That being said, um, editing. Like we said, the... All right, so now, as we said, because we didn't want to have moments of Naf and I feeling like we were either put on the spot, uh, the way that we're going to do this is I have a coin. Naf is going to call heads or tails, and uh, whichever one uh, he picks, it will be... uh, Whichever one will end up being... I'll take the opposite, and then we'll see who uh, has to give their list first. Okay. All right, so Naf, which one? Heads or tails? Um, I like booty, so tails. Ooh, that's going to be effective with our female part of our audience, so. And just like that, you have to go first. Okay. <laughs> um, there is actually, um, there's so many to actually pick from. Um, I think that one kind of stands above the rest, just in kind of how kind of complex the edit would have been and i think now that i've been editing more stuff i can really appreciate that a lot more in ways that i didn't previously um but i'm going to give you a couple of honorable mentions um i think Mm -hmm. that um uh, glass onion and fantastic Mm. editing and in the way that it used the editing to kind of enhance the story too um i think was it just it was very very effective um another one Mm. which i thought was fantastic was uh triple r 
um mm. in a three hour epic naturally the edit was going to be a monster uh but it, it is really really good and really really effective um for me i don't think anything can quite move past uh the sheer behemoth that was everything everywhere all at once and to actually keep a cohesive narrative with all the shit that is going down in that film I couldn't see any other film taking home that award. And if you disagree with me, you're incorrect. See, here's why you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I cannot believe that you did not put The Way of Water above everything, everywhere, all at once. See, I Mainly would have because if it it is down a... through three seconds and I didn't have to watch any more of it. No, no, you you got to wait for it because what I was going to say was it's an amazing feat when an editor picks all the wrong scenes to keep in the movie, uh, which means the fact that the movie came out. Nonetheless, uh, I just but assumed I that Jim say... Cameron edited the film and then put himself in the credits under a pseudonym. Oh, that's probably true. That is probably true. No, uh, that being no said, notes. <laughs> no notes. Um, I, no, I don't want to shit on the the editor for Way of Water. No, nah, because the editor probably did a good job. He just was not given good material. He or she, we're not, su we're not subjected to. It could be a, they, all of them. Let's any, go. Any, how they, it could be a dog. So, for all I know, my pick for uh, best editing, but, um, with which, if any person has seen the film, you'd understand why. It, it's everything, everywhere, all at once. But as mm -hmm. we kind of discussed, like for me, conversations like this end up being difficult because I end up like. Can't think about this stuff on the spot so i've got some notes but i'm very much anticipating that while we have conversations about it more stuff is going to come up i'm pretty confident mm. that everything you roll at once had best editing but i'm really really curious to see your honorable mentions and who you picked yep well uh first off i uh my list isn't that different than yours i didn't put uh i did not necessarily put uh glass onion why mainly because i forgot but i do agree with you mm. uh because i think that because also with glass onion a lot of that is written into the script yeah so it's kind of hard for me to really uh fully credit that just editing editing did a great execution but it was ryan johnson probably putting it into the script he's a very intentional that, that, yeah so so it was already built in there so it that. didn't necessarily have the editing was good, but it was already pre-done. Mm. Okay, so yeah, that was kind of where that. I found it a little bit hard. It's one However, of those films that I, I really would love to read the screenplay for, because I'd love to see how he actually, you know, described mm -hmm. those things. Like, in the screenplay, you're just like, now you see the scene that I just showed you 20 minutes ago, but we're going to extend it just a little bit. Exactly. And now, uh, another one. You haven't seen it, but Babylon is very well edited. Unlike yeah. another film that was three hours this year, uh, <laughs> this one actually did not feel like Are you three hours. About the and a lot of it, uh, yeah, clearly, uh, that one hurt. Oh, that hurt. Uh, you goddamn son of a bitch. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, so what I felt with uh, with Babylon was the three-hour epic really was punchy but the cuts had humor to them like the cuts had a life to them not still not quite mm. good as uh like as effective as whiplash uh for me in, with the editing but nonetheless it still keeps that kind of damien chazelle style uh up and going and it really does feel really interesting and i thought that that was really nice another one I'm was the uh was the film she said 
That is one on my list. Uh, it is the film about the Harvey Weinstein investigation. Oh. Harry Mulligan and uh, Zoe Kravitz, I believe. I believe that's uh, Zoe. Let me just double check that I'm making. Uh... That's showing us some very No, it's not Zoe Kravitz. Uh, it's um, Zoe. Uh... Kazan. Yeah, Zoe Kazan. Yeah, that's it. One of the Zoe's. We have the Chris's. Now we have the Zoe's. Huh. But. Uh, yeah, I, but I, yeah, I forgot no, this was coming out. I really need to watch this, actually. I missed this one. Yeah, that that's where I know that you missed this one, and I know that by the fact that you didn't even include it in your We Missed, there was going to be a fair amount of my list that uh, you were not going to be able to relate to. Mm. But nonetheless, uh, She Said is really interesting because of the shot selection. The stuff that it chooses to focus on and how it chooses to do it is very, very interesting. And... It's very simple, very... It, it doesn't draw attention to itself. That film was really great because it just doesn't try to... It doesn't try to do the typical Oscar thing of, oh, let's make it more dramatic than than it necessarily need to be. Uh, so I'll be saying more about She Said as we go along in this list, so I'm just that's where I'm going to leave it. But as you, as you put it, unlike Glass Onion for me, which is where uh, Glass Onion, I kind of attributed it more to the script... Everything, everywhere, all at once, regardless of how much that was written in there, the amount of thought that needed to be put into the edit to even like into production, knowing that you were going to do this with the edit is unfathomable to me. I have no idea how they did it. I really do not. I need to read that script because I just want to see how it was written in there, how it all did it. And just the fact that every time you watch that movie, you'll get something new. The fact that they have even in like the split second, like three, like maybe one second shot of uh, Michelle Yeoh just like staring at the camera. They had one thing on their Instagram. I don't know if you've seen it, but if you follow one of the Daniels, they posted like a side by side of all of the frames that are in it. And you see, like, one is a skeleton, one's a man that kind of looks like Michelle Yeoh. One is, like, her in a nun outfit. One is an alien. Like, it's just showing all the possibilities. And one's animated. Like, mm -hmm. it's it, it's so... It really is so thematic. And I just, I could not... You can't put something on this list that beats that. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, there is no... There is no film to beat this this year um it's interesting as well that um like i feel like i again i'd love to see the, just the timeline of the edit um and i know that like oh yeah right now i think it was it was pretty recent where like apple did a thing with a uh, lil nas x where they released like you know he does all of his music on um what is it uh um i can't remember what it's called damn it premiere but or, uh no or... not on premiere but like on the logic garage band logic pro Oh, Logic. Okay. And what they did was, as like to promote Logic, they said, you know, if you buy it, we're going to give you the like, all of the stems for every song on his most recent album. So you can literally just go in and look at how he, he produced the album, all of the effects, wow. everything. Man, I would love films to do that. Imagine the Daniels just go, hey guys, by the way, if you want like the the uh, timeline, so, like, if you want the timeline, the for premiere it, yeah. file for um. Everything ever all at once. Here you go. Just see. I feel like that'd be, that'd be insane. How, Obviously, you how, can't because. Yeah. However, however, Naf, I do think that there was not to get too off topic or to inter interrupt you, but I do like interrupting you. 
Uh, but so the main thing is that I there was one thing that beat that beat everything everywhere in editing. In editing, there I was only that one was your thing final choice. The Barbie trailer. Ah, oh. <laughs> that is the cinematic masterpiece of uh, of yeah. the year. The cinematic masterpiece that is uh, <laughs> that truly. Sold. That that is the best thing that was edited this year because you know only with that last bit of the film that that's the only thing from the movie they had to actually film that for uh, this and oh I'm so sorry for Woosh coming in here talking about Avatar two he thinks Avatar two won best editing um, unfortunately pal um, it was everything everywhere all at once that did it but. Avatar All 2 will I'm win best picture. Say... Yep. Absolutely. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh so anywhere, pal. Stick around. You're gonna have a fun time. Uh so anywhere. Uh so yeah, Barbie trailer. Uh I see that. I can yep. get that. Um, especially having your, your seen... parents loved Avatar 2. Fantastic. So sense. glad to hear it. Um, I think that uh, having seen 2001 A Space Odyssey for the first time this year as well also helped enhance how good that trailer was. They commit was. so hard to that bit. They commit so hard. Uh, uh, you you're are, welcome, Wish. You're, no lo- you're welcome. Absolutely. You are no longer no, a I was at work the other day, and I was talking with uh, somebody that I work with, and they were saying they were having a conversation with somebody else, another one of my colleagues, and they were talking about films. And then... I came up in the conversation and they were like, oh, like, blah, blah, this film, Nathan doesn't like it. And they were like, oh, yeah, but Nathan's a film snob. And I was like, okay, now I'm known as a film so snob at work. So How good proud is that? Of you. I'm so proud of you. I think it was about like, Avatar. They were like, the... I liked it. Like, Nathan doesn't like it. It's like, so Nathan's a snob. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry. However, if you like Fast and the Furious, you're also dumb then, right? Like, you know, sort of a thing. I need to see those. We need to get Marley on and I need to binge. Again, all you of them. came up with a you came up with a name that was too good for that. Like, we need to do two by two curious, uh, as a, a, a as <laughs> that was still the best joke you've ever made, is b- two by two curious. However, uh nonetheless, going on. Our next category is production design. Mm. Now this award has been officially titled the the Alley Decides and We're All Wrong If We Don't Pick It Award because my wife Alley actually is a professional production designer. Uh she has pro- uh done production design for various uh features. Uh, she finished an indie feature a couple of years ago. Uh should be coming out soon. Uh but she is incredible, fantastic. She's awesome. However, uh she has given us our nominees and our winners this year. Uh, the nominees are Pinocchio, the Guillermo del Toro version, the only version that came out this year, as far as I'm concerned, uh, and Babylon, as well as the Batman. Uh and now I suggested All Quiet on the Western Front. She did give me a look, and I removed it. Uh, and then uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, of course, was going to take it home. And I think anybody that has seen the film, the fact that you make an IRS building the most interesting place 
like at all on that budget incredible and the fact that it's so cleverly done uh, chef's kiss uh mm-hmm. now obviously since do you now nathan do you have any uh bad opinions on uh what should have also been on this list um i had all quiet on the western front on there i'd like to know why this look came through um i think it's because she just doesn't like kind of uh, uh just quote-unquote pretentious films interesting and uh but yeah well look i think that um probably the thing about all quiet on the western front is that while the production design is immaculate it's also nothing we haven't seen before um mm-hmm. so yeah that's probably where it's kind of like hurt a little bit in that category but i had that i actually had like fablemans on there as well i don't know why i just really oh, like fablemans kind of i can see that yeah, yeah that sort of 50s aesthetic particularly when it opens up and they're at the front of the theater and things like that and i thought that was really cool and, and even afterwards um on on the movie lot um i thought a lot of that was really good um but outside of that I had Pinocchio, which is the only one I've got that actually matches Ali's choices. So I think that's going to be my winner. All right. Oh, Ali did have one honorable mention. Uh, and that is Ireland. Uh, for just simply being uh, Ireland. And that's the only reason that Banshees of Inishirin would end up on oh. the list. <laughs> See, that was an interesting one for me because I thought Banshees, particularly on like the cinematography and how it used the island. But again, I think I asked you this question before stream as well around production design. Because when I look at that, I'm also like, what did you what did you build? You filmed the island and the island is beautiful. Um so I yeah, I, yeah, I think that's probably more of like a question is how does that um connect to the production design category? Yeah, exactly. Like and that that's kind of where I land to it. That's where I'm more tempted to put stuff with that towards cinematography rather than yeah. um production design uh however that said moving on uh to the next uh to the next section which is called uh score that is our next award that we are currently giving out and uh this is also called the uh we're not gonna snub michael giacchino award and uh so now naf i'm gonna flip a coin to see who uh gives this all right so just going back to production design are we in agreement that you didn't watch pinocchio so um, I want to know what of Ali's choices did you think one was it the Batman? For me, I think that uh, I I would lean towards everything everywhere. I might more put that towards costumes. Mm. I think it deserves a nomination. I think that the Batman deserves its production design mainly because Why? of how they made the they mainly because I feel the Batman did a really good job with Gotham City. Uh, it did a really good job with making Gotham City feel like it's an actual city with its own type of architecture, its own type of things there. Oh, don't give me that goddamn face making you look like a little Sour Patch Kid or something. I am but, a Sour Patch uh, Kid. Absolutely. You're, gum- you're gummy and tasty. But, uh, so, <laughs> I just almost made you do a spit take. <laughs> Go uh, on. Go but, on. Uh, but, uh, what uh the batman what i was feeling with the batman was that it did a really good job and they specifically filmed in like london uh as well as various other cities around the us and specifically with the intention of compositing it to make it look like it's its own city yeah. with its own skyline rather than doing stuff like what nolan did where it was kind of like a chicago insert yeah. uh or a new york insert uh it felt like it actually was 
its own design while feeling very unique, very different. Even the fact that the Wayne Manor felt like it was in a church. Yep. Like felt like it was in some sort of thing above the city, which was kind of a cool, different mm-hmm. style. Uh get that. I, I think that's that's I, yeah. that's it's okay that you made the wrong choice. You know, I think so in this case as well. However, I'm glad it was on the list. Um uh, I wanna just add with Pinocchio um that one of the reasons that I chose that too is when you watch this film on Netflix, afterwards there's a documentary you can watch, which is the making of. And they talk about how because Guillermo wanted to film um, Pinocchio like it was a real film, they have all these different sizes for everything. It's just there's so much work that goes into it. But some of the sets mm-hmm. that they created for Pinocchio, particularly there's this one shot that they talk about, it's in the trailers, and it's like this long take that took them three i think it was five months to film that shot and it's of a monkey just going into the circus and when you watch and you look at the set for this and how insane it is like you look at those studio lots that they use to build sets for the hobbit and all that kind of stuff for where did yeah and we're talking this size of set like it's insane and then there's church sequences and you've got people standing inside the church painting and making stuff because he wanted it to feel grand and he didn't want to expand it with CGI. He wanted a real set. He wanted a real Jesus carved out on a wooden cross. Like, man, when you watch this film, it's going to blow your mind in just the pure craft that went into it and the love. I'm probably going to watch it tonight. Yeah. Um, we actually watched it for one of our movie nights. Woosh watched it with me. Um, and I think it'd probably be in agreement. It's one of his favorites of the year too. I'm putting those words in your mouth, Woosh. Uh, he's not replying, so we assume that that is true. So I'm correct. That's, uh, so, that's how that works. Yeah, exactly. That's how it works. Wish yeah. you had your chance. Um, so score uh, but, was the next one. And you were saying that we, score, did, we don't want to yes. snub Danny Elfman. No, it's Michael Giacchino, not Danny Elfman. Wow, why did I say Elfman? Get it right. Why was it, I was thinking Elfman from original Batman, but yeah, Giacchino. Giacchino. Is... You were about to snub Michael Giacchino, which is the whole reason we have this goddamn <laughs> I'm award. sorry. And Woosh says it's you true. Fucker. I was right about Pinocchio. All right, well, fantastic. I'm glad that you're right about one thing today. I'm All right, sorry. so then, I'm sorry, uh, Michael. So, anyway, so with this, Michael Giacchino, he doesn't like your shit. If you're on his list, it's a lie. So, now, uh, here's the thing that happens. So, I'm going to give this a- another shot. I'm going to call heads. It's tails. Okay, so I have to go first again. All right, so I'm going to give you my, um, my four choices, which are all honorable mentions, and I'll tell you which one I think uh, is best uh the first one all quiet on the western front like mm-hmm. I, it's it's burned in my brain in the way that um what's it called uh war for the planet of the apes oh sorry rise rise war what's the middle one dawn dawn of the planet of the apes you're forgetting is... the best one god damn it the, you're you're really it's gonna be so easy when we get to top ten to be competitive at this point. Yeah, but I think that um All Quiet on the Western Front is something very similar to what the Batman did and Rise of the Planet of the Apes did, where they've got these repetitive themes that just they just scream dread and they make you feel things mm-hmm. because the first time they show you it's you know Batman being basically uh, a horror villain. <laughs> um you've got All Quiet on the Western Front of like the juxtaposition of like you know the happy characters against the insane electronic dirty grungy score and then um yeah something like rise of the plenty of did the same thing i think i think that was giacchino as well 
I think you're right. Um, and for Rise of the Planets, I remember because I remember leaving the theater and everywhere was going. It was going na 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 na, and it was just like, yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Yep. Um, yep. But yeah, all quiet. The Batman was um, one of the best choices. Um, I think Glass Onion had a phenomenal score. Um, in terms of like pieces that I kind of take away and will remember and sing, probably not as much. But in terms of how it fit the film, and I was watching an interview with Nathan Johnson where he was talking about the kind of notes that he would get from Ryan and how they weren't related to like the composition or changing anything like that, but it was more like, I need this to you know feel more like this, or this is what's happening in the scene, this is what the character's thinking. And so again, the score comes around feeling very intentional and it is beautiful and grandiose when it needs to be. I just think it's very, very well done. And then the last one that I've put in is Banshees of Inner Sharon. Um, I thought the score for that was just beautiful. Um, and in a film dealing with the subject matter of which it does, it's kind of confusing. Um, it's also similar to the cinematography in the film where you've got beautiful music and beautiful visuals and just like a relationship falling apart. Um, I think it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a work of art. Um, and so, yeah, they're my four choices. All Quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion, The Batman and Banshees of Inner Sharon. Um, I'm sure there are others. I just can't really remember them off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, those four were fantastic. Um, and my winner is the Batman. It is the Batman. It can't not be. He's just like I said, Michael Giacchino. He's lying to you. I watched the oh, documentary you about your fucking movie. Elfman. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But yes, but no, um, no, the, the Batman is incredible. Right. Thank you. For saying I'm correct. You're absolutely correct, and why I'm going to interrupt you because uh, the uh, the uh, my list was very similar to yours. Uh, uh, the Batman uh, was one of my nominees, as well as All Quiet. Uh, that was the first thing I thought about All Quiet was I was like, besides the cinematography in that movie, uh, the music was the thing that kept going for me. I just kept feeling that dun dun dun, just like that. And it would come at the most inopportune times. And you would just be like, every time you do that, I hate it. You know, sort of thing. Uh, absolutely. And Naf is getting his food delivered. Hi, Lou. Hello. Um, I, I, I'm, she can't hear you. Uh, I know. Does it also... But, uh, um, there's something about All Quiet on the Western Front where it was confusing to me. Because what you just mentioned, those three notes, are also, uh, I believe, the same opening notes of Ray's theme. Um, I guess. I just only think about that one like little prelude to her theme of like the do-do-do. Yeah, like that really particular instrument that's in that movie. I love that. I love that theme. That's it's some of that Williams' best work. Yeah, Ray's initial theme is really, really good. But nonetheless... Uh, the other one was Babylon. You'll you'll have to tell me if you agree. But even the trailer just gave me it. I was like, all right, this is one of my fa It was kind of the same thing with the Batman, where I was like, heard the trailer music, and I was like, done, sold. Because it was just that... It just was such a good, like... it. There's so much of that film that the music helps carry it. Where it's like, I don't know if that film had a lesser score if it... It's kind of like one of those things where it's like when you see a movie that probably might be a little lackluster if it did not have as good a score as it does. 
but it has an awesome score, so it's like perfect. Um, uh, that is a little bit of um, First Man, because First Man is my yeah. least favorite Damien Chazelle. I still really like it, but the moments of like quiet space contemplation with Justin Hurwitz's score literally make elevate that film. And I believe he did the oh, score absolutely. for Babylon as well. He's done all of Damien. Chazelle's oh yeah, films. no, he's. He's uh, like him and Damien Chazelle are like Spielberg and John Williams. Like it's a nine out of 10. You can trust it's Justin Hurwitz that's doing it. And I mean, they make a great pair together. Why would they stop? You know, they both won Oscars together, I believe. So it's like, uh, it's a pretty incredible thing. And so, however, there uh, I would, I also put everything everywhere on, on this list as well. I did not put Banshees because I thought Banshees was good. But I've been listening to a lot of Celtic music recently, and just because maybe it was my own personal taste where I was just like, everybody was saying how good the music was, and it didn't wow me like uh, others. So I think if I wasn't expecting it to be phenomenal, it'd be there. But Everything Everywhere had like a really cool thing with like the uh, kind of techno theme mixed with... Uh, like kind of Chinese influences, like or uh, kind of that that vibe of the little wind, like kind of flutes and things of that nature that really did contribute to it. But that film is just such a complete package that it's very difficult to kind of extrapolate certain things from it. You know, like it's hard to say, oh, this is the best part of uh of everything everywhere because that film is just such a complete package that it's like Yeah. It's one of the few films that like every single thing blends together, so it's hard for me to give credit to any of it specifically because it's all there. But nonetheless, uh there's a reason I named this uh, this award what it was, and that was The Batman. When I first heard that theme in that second trailer, where it was that like uh dum, dum, like just that you know um, pumping dum, dum. Again, dum, dum, dum. like and you think about like obviously you can there is the Tim Burton theme you I'm not the Tim the Danny Elfman theme that you can hum uh but Hans Zimmer's was always a little bit more ethereal so it was like the and it was like cool and it worked and then I don't know what the fuck uh ben affleck's theme is i really don't uh but um uh my feeling on it was this theme this batman theme is so good but but the thing about it is there are films that have really good themes right like there are good superhero films that have a good main theme but they have a lackluster the rest of it the riddler's theme is awesome like the kind of ave maria like echoing and when you know what that ties into thematically in the film but then catwoman's theme is kind of this you know uh neo noir kind of 40s like kind of uh you know femme fatale almost uh yeah. detective story kind of thing of hey johnny who's that girl you know kind of thing and it's like but it does it so well with giving that interpretation to it but then the fact that the batman theme is a goddamn horror theme like that is the theme you give to michael myers that is the theme you give to the shark from jaws that's not a hero's theme and that was what helped sell that film to the degree that it did was because of the fact that that theme really showed you this just sort of haunting 
foreboding as you were saying it's it's a it's gonna get you almost kind of theme like regardless of what happens like this is going it because it, it also is like this kind of like jaws it's that unstoppable force and that's what i thought that that film why i'm so surprised it's not shortlisted it will not get a nomination for the oscars uh i just think it's a complete missed opportunity not saying i haven't seen stuff like woman king and things like that but uh I will say that it just it uh the theme was just so good that I just don't understand why it wasn't nominated because it, it's it's brilliant. I think it's some of Michael Giacchino's best work ever. And so I thought that he was a shoe in to win. Yes. But I... it is a tough year for music. Yeah, I get that. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just finishing my lunch at the same time. I know, that's why I was trying to... You, feel, you set all of my thoughts. I was actually going to butt in in a moment too and say that the music works because Batman is a force and that's the, the vibe that the, the, the score gives. Um, but you covered that. So yeah, I think that absolutely um, the score goes to the Batman. Fantastic. I agree completely. And now for the next... Uh, award, which is uh, the biggest disappointment or the way of disappointment award. Uh, and now, Naf heads or tails. I also like, actually, no, I'm not going to make that jerk. Heads. <laughs> so, where you going with that? You're up first, motherfucker. Yeah. How about I keep losing these? Or because winning, you changed. There's two films that I was really disappointed by this year. Um, one of them was Lightyear. Um, there was a couple mm. things that I liked about this film, and one is, I believe it was the first animated film to take full advantage of the IMAX format, um, mm. which is also really interesting because this animated film all um obviously an advantage of the IMAX format and the portions in the film that were you know IMAX enhanced I thought were really really good in terms of the visual aspect but that kind of all the film has going for it the visual oh excuse me <laughs> the visuals which is very interesting because it leaves it in a place very similar to another film that did almost the exact same thing and delivered on nothing except its visuals but somehow did a worse job than Lightyear um, and that's Avatar, The Way of Water. I think that on many counts, it's a perfectly adequate, competent film. And for most people that I've spoken to, they left enjoying it. Where that falls apart for me is, this is biggest disappointment, right? And coming from in a year where there was not just one, but two films that had over a decade wait, nobody asked for it, no hype train, the one that actually was pretty astounding um, wasn't this, you know, with the insane budget that it had and 13 years of development and all that kind of stuff. You look at a film that comes out of that and you go, did you do a good job at explaining the why and why you exist and making it that we're sitting there not going, oh, this is just for money. You know, this story, James Cameron talks about how it's really important to him and I'm not feeling that on screen. Um, also, I watched a lot of IMAX films this year to the point where I actually paid for an IMAX subscription for the year. And I went 
so many things. And to put it simply, E.T. and Jaws, films from coming up on 50 years ago, almost now, 40 years ago, gave me a better IMAX, IMAX experience than Avatar The Way of Water. That is particularly a film that was marketed as you need to see this in IMAX. I went opening night, I went 3D, I went high frame rate. I was like, this is going to be the film. And even comparing it to something like Dune, which came out about 12 months ago, just over 12 months ago, that IMAX experience, it's still one of the best I've ever had in terms of how it uses the sound and the screen and even just its aesthetic. It's perfect. Oh, you're absolutely right. To go and sit down and watch The Way of Water and even experience things like, if you gave me the choice between high frame rate or IMAX aspect ratio, I'm going to pick the aspect ratio every time. Like, cool, man. The high frame rate is fine. But then the other thing is the whole film isn't high frame rate. It's only certain sequences. And then that becomes jarring because you watch the film and you're like, it looks normal. It looks real. And then you're like, oh, no, it looks normal again. Um, It's really confusing. Um, Yeah. And seeing yeah, the screen right. kind of crop down and not utilize the whole aspect ratio, I feel like I wasted my ticket. Like, why did I go to IMAX for this? Yeah. Uh, is that Are those your two of the biggest disappointments of the year? Yeah. Um, uh, I think that, yeah, there isn't much else that I saw that I really didn't like. I think we were talking about it before. I watched about 40 new releases this year, and 30 of them, easily, I loved. And then there's a handful that I liked, and probably only, like, maybe five or six that I really didn't like. Oh yeah. Like, and, and go, going off of that, like uh, for me, the main thing about uh, this year was there were, there were a fair amount of films that were, that were kind of average to me where um, it, it was again, fine, but not incredible. Where it was like, okay, but, but, and I would just say, like, I walked away from them, a fair amount of them pleasantly, like, yeah, that was good. That was about as good as I expected it to be. Or that wasn't as good as I wanted it to be, but I'm not disappointed because my expectations weren't high. Lightyear was one of mine that I put on here as well. Uh, now there, there is one film on this list that I'm not sure if it technically counts, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it anyway because it's kind of a little bit controversial. Um, but I, uh, the ones that I put in here that definitely count, Lightyear was one of those for me. Now, Lightyear, as opposed to NAF with this, I, I was a huge fan of the animated TV show that was on this thing. I love Buzz Lightyear. I freaking love that stuff. That w- I love the lore of love that series. the Space Rangers. Oh, you do? I mm-hmm. forgot if we talked about that you actually watched it or not. I grew up on that shit. The original Perfect. Toy Story they... 3, which was when they come in, they put in the VHS, and it's yeah. the Bud Lightyear yeah. movie, yeah. and it spun off the show. I yeah. found it on... Bro. It's not on Disney+. Plus. Can you believe it's not on Disney+. Plus? Really? Actually, I think I looked it's it up not. afterwards. After I watched the film, I was like, hmm, I need to watch... I need a palette cleanser. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube, though. It's an And, uh... But, regardless, uh... That was one of the best things and i guess i just didn't like that they took the lightyear story and kind of made it interstellar now i get that this is a very particular thing this is like me caring about lore on the back of a cereal box and you, you know me saying that hating interstellar like uh, but listen uh, uh, well listen i like i like interstellar until it defied its own rules but you know 
I'm just saying that I'm right and you're wrong, but that's okay. Uh, the fire is what you mean is it elevated the game. It changed the rules. It went and it blew your mind. And it just melted your Don't mind worry, too much okay. to the point where now you have bad takes. That's okay. It's Na okay. You know, you know, Naf, it's okay that you can just be pretty. Yeah. Uh, but it's... Uh, and look, you in know, your I'm case, glad... you don't have prettiness or um, smarts. You just you lost on both counts. It's just... heartbreaking for you. But I have great intros, motherfucker. Okay, yeah, you're one of three. One of three, it's fine. Hey, listen. Anyway. One out of three, all I'm saying. The yikes is what was comment. <laughs> um, uh, I... However, uh, Lightyear, the bottom line was Lightyear for me. I was okay with the kick because I also knew, okay, I'll always have that, but I'm just curious to see if they do make this relevant for new audiences because I do like the lore. I think there is a lot to do with that story. And, and it was just kind of weird. It felt like that they were simultaneously trying to be a real movie within, you know, the Toy Story universe. And yet it was also trying to kind of be a little tongue in cheek with itself. Like I would have really liked it to be kind of just like a serious animated movie as if it was as real as possible without it kind of trying to be overly animated. I think that that's uh, one of the, the things that really made a disappointment for me too. The fact that particularly how the film opens and when it tells you in 1990 or whatever, Andy watched a film and it became his favorite film. This is that film. I'm like, okay, what kid left that film and thought I'm gonna make this my personality? Like it just—it's not—it—it's—it it went yeah, it's like you said, the interstellar route where it should have probably gone the Star Wars route to be very or Star Trek. Like yeah. it could have been either or. Like I felt always felt Space Rangers are more Star Trek than Star Wars, but it's like a nice combo in between. Like you can have the kind of uh Star like a Star Warsian uh grittiness with mm -hmm. it a little bit, but you can but mainly the uh quest for peace. Like uh, Star Trek. I get that. You know? Yeah. But re but regardless, I agree with you. I'm like, why would, why? Like, I get the idea of making, you know, science cool for kids. Like, that's a really good idea. And I think that that's a fair thing. I just wish either don't make this light year and just make it an interstellar movie, which is cool. Like, I'm like, that's fine. But if you're going to make Buzz Lightyear, make Buzz Lightyear, mm -hmm. you know? And the fact that Zerg was handled in a very interesting way when Zerg was one of my favorite characters, but it was like, eh, I, I didn't, I, I didn't quite buy it. I think the other uh, part with Zerg was again how it was like tongue in cheek. It was almost like we had expectations of what Zerg was going to be because of Toy Story and the animated series and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And then the, the movie kind of goes and it's like it changes it. And I remember leaving it. I also was like, I didn't hate that. Because I thought, in the world that you've created, it does make a little bit of sense that, you know, Buzz stayed around for ages and now he's gone back. Like, it it, it works, but I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. It also goes, it also messes with, I know Zerg was always supposed to be kind of a tongue-in-cheek Darth Vader mm -hmm. little bit thing there. Like, that was always his purpose in the Toy Story oh, movies. But also, that line now makes no sense. If it's, no, I am your father. No, you're fucking not. You're like, literally you know, me inside you. What? Yeah, that's... Oh, well, me inside you. That sounds nice. But, uh, so, uh... Sorry. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, uh... Um, the other thing that, for me, there were big disappointments this year. Ever... Like, not big disappointments with one of them. But for two of them, it certainly was a big disappointment. Was, uh... Uh, I was putting out all the Marvel projects except Wakanda Forever for me. Wakanda Forever is the only one that I felt was, like, it delivered on a lot of its 
promise. Um, however, Multiverse of Madness and uh, especially Thor Love and Thunder did disappoint me. Yeah. Uh, not in the standpoint of like, I there are merits to that film. I think I honestly was... Not that I didn't want it, because I was just curious to see where they were going to go. But I was like, the fact that they had Jane, uh, like, in the film, I was like, oh, okay, that's going to be really... At first, I was kind of like, why? But she was the best... Her and Gore were the best parts of that film. Yeah. But it kind of just left me asking a lot more questions than answers. Where it's like, uh, uh, okay... um. The funny parts of it were really funny. Like it kind of felt like the Taika parts were really, really well done. It just felt like the connective tissue wasn't there. Mm. Like I, I thought stuff like um the what felt kind of like an SNL skit was um it, it was uh the SNL skit aspect of Jane and Thor breaking up, I thought was surprisingly well done. I really like that. Like, uh, I, I actually really like that. Like, I actually was like, that's really funny. The scenes in uh, between I, of them, like, on the rollerblades being pulled by Mjolnir and him yeah, putting Mjolnir like, uh, to bed. And I really liked and, the kind of ex-girlfriend kind of yeah, thing that they had between Stormbreaker was, and Mjolnir. Oh, that was so funny. It was so dumb, but uh, like, I'm like, that's the dumb I kind of like. Mm. That's the dumb of... I I I wanted that. That's like what I wanted. There was that scene where he's talking to Mjolnir on the bridge of the ship, and then it just like the camera pans to the side, and Stormbreaker's literally just there. <laughs> like... I know it's it's it, it was just such a funny use of those two things yeah. that I thought were great. The only thing that I feel was kind of weird about it was in that same movie, you also have, I believe all gods should die. You know, like, kind of this thing of going, I'm going to kill all the gods because they did not answer. Like, a very D&D-esque yeah. kind of uh, story, which I was like, Gore is a great D&D villain. I was like, the idea of a guy going out to kill all the gods because he they did not answer his prayers. It also then, to me, begs the question, where the fuck were the other gods involved in the other movies yeah. and are we establishing deities exist in the marvel universe is that gonna play into secret wars because i really think it should you know like it's kind yeah. of one of those things where this contributes to my overall problem with marvel right now is i should be getting excited about where that's leading but similar to eternals i'm like i just feel like this is too big a plot line for you to actually tie up it's kind of like if too many people have connections to Thanos, no matter who kills him, someone's going to be left disappointed that that character kind of never got their chance. Like Drax with Thanos, where it's like he barely got a chance to have that yeah. storyline resolved at all. And I'm like, but, but I'm like, that's not my problem. That's you guys. You guys created this problem for yourself. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to apologize for being mad about it. You created the problem. You know, sort of thing. So, like, uh, and I so, think... Multiverse of Madness, I also put in that category, not as egregiously, but I did feel that it was like kind of as uh, Woosh said, it was also a very much a letdown, uh, because of seeing everything everywhere. Yeah. Which, uh, which I get people like, oh, but everything everywhere wasn't a horror, and I'm like, yeah, but also, in the Multiverse of Madness, why are we only going to two worlds? And you include the Illuminati. And, and again, I understand, and I made a, a couple TikToks about this. 
I don't know much about the Illuminati, frankly. I but I know enough to know they're important. And the only thing with that was it felt weird to me to be like, oh, this is such a cool thing to include in this movie. And once I heard it was being included, made me instantly more excited to go and see it. But the only thing with it was I was like, why did you? Yes, you don't have to use it as the comics do. But you did it. And it didn't have kind of like a weight to it. It felt like it's just a different name for the Avengers. You know? Yeah. Which is fine. I just didn't feel like it. I felt like there is a cooler way to handle this. And I get that that goes into, oh, that's your story, not the story they were telling. And I do think that Sam Raimi is the best thing to happen to Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. I think Doctor Strange should be a Sam Raimi thing. I would really love to see more Sam Raimi. Uh, Doctor Strange. Those are the best parts of the film. The best parts of the film were when it's kind of like what Taika did for Thor in the initial in in ragnarok yeah it was the best combo mm-hmm. so that though those those are my but but so you had you had light more... year you had light year um, the two uh, mcu uh, films which is fine um what and then the um ones? the one that i don't know if it counts or not is the worst person in the world mm. this was a film that was getting a lot of buzz it got nominated for an oscar and i believe it, it adapt uh, i believe original screenplay as well if i'm not mistaken uh last year in the world? uh like uh i felt that i felt that worst person in the world i can understand why certain people like it i don't it didn't work for me it was uh a it was a kind of a foreign film that I was really excited to go and see it. And I had high expectations for it. And it just, it, everybody was talking about it. And I just didn't feel, I felt like I had seen that before. Mm. I felt like, I, I, I mean, it was interesting. It talked about f- female, uh, like perspective in some relationships, uh, in a very different way. And there were certain scenes that were particularly interesting. Yeah. I just felt the whole film felt uneven and, uh, it was getting a lot of indie buzz. And I was just like, I just don't get it. I just, I just don't. Okay. Um uh however the main one for me was Way of Water. Yeah. When when you came out of that, you saw it before I did and you said uh Way of Water's bad. It's really bad. I was like you and I talk about we unapologetically, yes, there are parts of uh, of Avatar 1 and certain aspects disclaimer think that using like appropriating culture obviously, you know, it's it's bad, but I thought that the first film handled itself a lot better than I remembered it to mm-hmm. like, and the theme of that film was abandoning a culture that was kind of, um, that was toxic. Yeah. Problematic. Yeah. And, uh, understanding and empathy was the arc of how to learn and be a part of a new culture mm-hmm. that gets completely abandoned in way of water completely and utterly abandoned and then i hear everybody always talk about the main thing i hear about way of water is saying it improved on every aspect of of the first film and i go what film did you guys watch in the first one because natiri is less there's less natiri they bring back the villain and make him worse why so blue is a line in this movie and it says you know the writing's just much better in this film and, you know, just going, what the actual goddamn hell? 
what yeah. the actual Sam Hell, Sam Worthington motherfucking like business is this? What is this sort of thing? It's like, God damn it. I am so mad at that film for so many reasons because I have not been that frustrated by a film since Rise of Skywalker. I have told you that multiple times. And I'm like, but unlike Rise of Skywalker, I won't be seeing Avatar 3, like Avatar 2, Avatar 2 again. Did you I see just, the, um, I, they spoke about what the story for 3 is going to be? Well, you mean, oh, Avatar 3, the seed bearer? Yeah, but did you see they're going to a new culture? Oh, is it fire? Yeah, they're called the Ash People. God damn it! <laughs> I'm so I don't, I don't know if it's serious or not, but like I saw that pop up, I think it was on IGN, and I was like, um, oh, okay. He is copying Avatar, the, the last airbender. But we need to get off of Way of Water, otherwise we're going to talk about it for four hours, as we have done. I think we literally have logged eight hours of sitting on this film on the phone. Um, and we need to be moving so- through some of these a little bit... Um, <laughs> A little bit faster too, otherwise you're not going to get through everything. Did I, our, did, 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 I, did, did I clip that right? Did I clip you did. right? Yeah. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Wave Water, easily, I think, the biggest disappointment of the year. And I understand people enjoying it and going for the visual feast, but I also think that the problematic elements are also dialed up even more in this film which is so weird because oh, it feels like in the like last 13 years down on it. how do you not go oh people talked about some problems with our film let's correct instead you just you go one step further okay um let's cast sigourney yeah. weaver as uh you but know herself I, but 13 no. years younger no 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 we're no. not 13 years younger 13 like 14. At, at basically She's 14 years old for 14 She's like years 50 old. years younger yeah and I'm like, it's not that that part's not the problem. The problem is that you're having her have a quasi romantic relationship with the person who's supposed to be 18. Gross. Why? But that being and, said, anyway, um, the next category. Moving on. I'm so mad. <laughs> and like I said, that, we, we have to move through some of these a little bit quicker. But so um, anyway, so moving moving forward with this. On the flip side of that, Nath, uh, biggest surprises this year. Obviously, we're going to probably keep these a little vague, but uh, nonetheless, what do you feel? Uh, do you want to flip the coin, or do you want me to go? Sure, absolutely. Call it. Uh, I wanted to land on its side. Tapes. You're not going to guess what just came up. Is it tapes? I, I kid you not. I kid you not. Look at this. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Is that a coin? That's tails. That's oh, tails. okay. It's just American uh, coins. This is Amer- American head- heads, and then uh, American tails. Huh. Okay, cool. Well, I guess I'll go then. This is... Four, four. I'm winning something today. Would you okay. like me to do it for you? Would you no, like me to go? Shut up. I'm gonna go first. So mine are no. pretty easy. How dare you? That's racist. Um <laughs> so mine are pretty easy. Um firstly puts in boots. Um and for the same reasons as Avatar, it had all of the same hurdles that it needed to surpass. It had the original film came out in 2011. So we're talking 11 years for a sequel. Um, we're talking nobody asked for this. We're talking there's no hype for this film. I'm telling you, Keegan, this is one of the best animated films of all time. Up there with really? up there with Into the Spider-Verse. Like, it is really? absolutely phenomenal. And again, the story itself is simple. But when you go in it's as an well audience done. that's a little bit older, again, think like how Top Gun is just it's just very well made. On top of that, the sure. animation is on Spider-Verse level. They've they've dived into that side of it. When they do action sequences, it becomes like almost like these 
big bombastic anime level fight sequences which are just insane and the story of taking puss in boots this character who just has you know basically like what Lou's saying in there like the audacity of puss in boots he's always just been like i don't really care blah blah and putting a reason behind that of him going we've seen him in other films and he does whatever he wants he doesn't care but now we've gone hey you know how this person has been like this for 20 years he has nine lives he's died eight times so what happens now when you don't have the aftermath of going i can't go and save people from this giant because i might die and i'm scared of death where do you go from there and it, it's it's so powerful in that sense well again being um you just you just sold me on this movie go watch it like seriously dude it is so good also um the main villain the voice actor is the guy who plays um uh, i can't remember his name now from narcos the villain the big bad <laughs> yeah and the the voice cast is all like latin american or hispanic people as well antonio banderas has his best work as puss in boots here it's funny it's full of heart it has it has florence Pugh in it as well that's always a win Ooh. it just i'm telling you man it just I, I gave it five stars on letterbox i think it was um it just it just ticks every box correctly it was a massive surprise for me the other well, one you well you you uh you surprised me with that one so i will go and do it yeah. um the other one was triple r like i'd heard people saying haha you need to watch this film blah blah man i <laughs> the way this film touches like every genre <laughs> and it still works like i was talking about the editing before the music's fantastic visual effects um is fantastic as well like on the level of a big blockbuster for a netflix film in another language um it's insane it's really 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 good um and the last one was probably one of the best cinema experiences i had for the year the menu um based on the trailer i went in and expected like a horror film and it's not really like that it does have like horror and thriller elements but yeah the story is just again just very effective. Like I, I left that film and I couldn't think of anything at all that I didn't like about it. And I laughed and I like cried and I just it was just really, really good. So that was one of my big surprises for the year. Um so yeah, probably those three. Puss in Boots, Triple R the menu. All right. Well there we go. Well two of mine I can't really say because I'll be, they're in my uh they're not only in my top two. Uh, I'm sorry, they're not only in my top five, they're in my top three. Uh, and I, I define this by what were films that I had either little expectation for or no expectation for, and what ended up in just blowing me away. Uh, my own, the only entry in this that I can really, uh, talk about is, uh, Prey. Oh, I forgot about Prey. Prey. Oh my God. Prey was so good. Prey. You and I watched that. Not only was that one of my favorite experiences, because you and I just got done with the stream one day, and we said, why don't we just keep it going? I got nothing to do tonight. You got nothing to do tonight. Let's watch the Star Wars Vacations, Lego Star Wars Vacation special, and then uh, let's watch Prey. Because it, it was getting a fair amount of buzz at the time, I mean, you and I were like, let's go and watch it. And that film, I have not watched the original Predator. Same. I have not watched we anything. We on the list. We should put it on the list and see how it compares. We have to find someone compares. whose favorite film is Predator. 
But the thing for me was watching Prey. It's one of the best films I've ever like. like not not one of the best films I've ever seen, but it, it was so well done. Because I heard the concept and I was like, "Well, that's going to be over in a couple of minutes." Mm. Like that, the the idea of okay, this advanced being comes down and it's going to be like, well, yeah, it's going to be done. But then it's like, oh, I forgot that this advanced being is not as advanced when, as the kind we see in the future movies. Yeah. So there is kind of this, this match when he comes exactly. Back it's kind of the matched skill set. And it's not saying that she, it, it, the way that she deduces everything, the fact that also it had, uh, uh, it was Cherokee, right? Cherokee, uh, the language, right? Comanche. Uh, Comanche. Uh, Cause Chip, Comanche. I, I was like, why am I saying? Comanche. Uh, the, the fact that they had a full dub in that was really cool. And I think that they the should more film. market that as the way to watch it. Yeah. It was the first film in history to have a full Comanche dub. All of the cast that played the main characters all um, like spoke the language as well. So they did their own dub. Think like Diego Luna and Adriana Hanna in, um, in Andor. Like they did their own dub. Yeah. So when you listen to these people, you're listening to the same people. Um, and if you go on Disney Plus to watch it or wherever it is, it actually doesn't show up as a language option. It shows up as a different like, version of the film. So you have to go click the film, click versions, and then there's Prey Comanche version. Um, and you watch it like that. I think it should be the default version, personally. The only uh, reason why it's not, I think, is because it is dubbed again. They didn't refilm those scenes. Sure. Um, which, that would be another thing as well. Imagine if they refilmed those scenes and you had English versions and Comanche versions and just had them play the same thing. Um, but yeah. It, it would be interesting. It is. I actually, I want to go back and rewatch the film in, um, in Comanche because I haven't had the chance yet. But yeah. it's cool. Also, I really like the way that they use, you know, with my pet peeves. Like, I, I think the way they handled language in that film is perfect too. Um, even in general. It's like when you watch it in the English version, it's, they're speaking English, but they're not. But then, you know, when you see characters talking about things or in languages they don't understand, same deal. We don't understand it because we're currently living in a world where we're talking Comanche with our people. Um, it there, very there's well Because if, if I'm not mistaken, it doesn't even use subtitles Correct. for French, the French stuff. It wasn't yep. until you had somebody who was actually speaking and he speaks English, but, mm -hmm. it, but then he kind of goes back to speaking French and then yep. back over. And I think he speaks uh, his English broken as well because he doesn't speak Comanche well. It's, exactly. It's, mm, everything. It's a it's a, br it's a brilliant rules, move. You stick to your rules. Um, that's and, a great and the choice. Action. The action was incredible, visceral, violent, brutal. Like it was exactly what you want from a film like that, and yeah. it it blew me away. I had no, I didn't understand why people didn't like it. Well, I understood it, but it was just for a very sad reason. Uh, but. Uh, the whole thing was that, uh, but with that, nonetheless, I also have two more entries and I'll get to them later. But <laughs> with that said, uh, what's the best scene for a movie not in your top five? I'm going to call Tails on this. Tails. Okay. I kid you not, so, I can't make this shit up. I'm going to have you a little bit of... You need to enter like a lottery ticket or something. I, we actually, we got some for Christmas and we didn't win anything. But, um... Oh. We so I'm gonna have a little bit of recency bias here, right? And it's very hard for me to pick just singular scenes because as I was talking about before the stream, as soon as I start thinking about some scenes, I think about whole films. And I have one whole film which I was like I just 
I loved every second of it. Um, but yeah, like things like, for example, um, the finale of um, of the menu is it just it ends very very solid, very very beautiful. Um, there are so many scenes in things like Glass Onion and stuff that I really like too. But I put down a couple that I think just kind of stand out a little bit more as like things that I just remembered. One of them is from Fablemans, and it just it was this sequence of um, when Sam is directing his lead actor on the war film that they're doing, and he's explaining, and the guy's like, "Oh, so you just want me to act?" Oh, he's like, "No, no, right. I don't want you to. I don't want you to act. I want you to. I want you to feel. I want you this. Look at this. This." And he's explaining it to the guy, and as he explains to the guy, he's crying, and they're both just sitting there crying with each other, and he's like, "All right, I got it," and then he films him. And it's beautiful. It's perfect. And the guy just keeps walking afterwards because he's just so in the moment. Man, that those were the moments where I was watching that and I was crying in that film. I was just like, he's got it. He's literally going to be one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Like at this, he's 15 years old right now and he's already got it. Yes, this is going to be so good. Um, so that uh -huh. was one of my favorite scenes I saw all year. All year. Um, another one was in the film X. Um, this is just one that I, I, every time I'm talking to people about this film, I need to just like gush about this scene because it's just like a masterclass in building tension where the edit helps a lot. But just the scene in, in question is this character goes into a lake and she just sits in the lake swimming and everything's just very calm. It's a top down either drone or crane shot. And it's just her sitting, doing nothing. And then it cuts to the camera looking at an alligator. And then it cuts back and it shows you where in the space that alligator is. And she's here and the alligator's there. And she's just chilling. There's no music, nothing, just swimming. And you see this little movement like this. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> and no. then it cuts back to her. She doesn't see or hear anything. She finishes her swim. And then she goes, I'm going to go back to the front. So now she's here and the alligator's there. And it's that top-down scene again. And she's swimming and the alligator's swimming like this. And it just doesn't cut. And it just stays like this as it's getting closer and closer and closer. And then she gets to the lake bed and she gets out and she walks away fine. But like sitting on my couch watching that, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it was just fantastic. Oh, that's good. It was just really, really good. So like those two scenes in films that I saw here just stood out above both other things. Um, of course, there's lots of stuff like the opening of Triple R has an action sequence, which if you've seen the film, <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. It's like, you know when you have your villain and you want to introduce your villain by setting them up as unbeatable? Think Thanos versus Hulk at the start of Infinity War. Triple R does that for its villain. But the way it does it is he doesn't take out the Hulk. It's one... It's the... In, um... Uh, I think on, on the border of India and Pakistan. I can't remember exactly where they are. But there's this building where the police are and all of the civilians are trying to get into the building. And then one guy throws like a tomato or something and it hits one of the officers and the officer goes, bring me that man. And our main antagonist looks, looks back. He sees all the civilians. He sees the guy running away and he sees the civilians pull the fence down a little bit. And so he just runs and he runs off the fence and into the civilians and he just starts beating everybody up trying to get to the guy and he fucking gets him and he brings him all the way back through the civilians again dumps him at the leader's feet and he's like there it is i got your guy and everybody else is just like what it's so good it's so so good 
wish you could see my face right now. I, I can. I'm talking to our three goats, Naf. Like, but that's what I'm saying is that really, like, I, 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 I gotta watch this. Um, but um, my whole, th but now my. I was gonna add just one more thing before you move on. I Go may ahead. have stuffed up because Triple uh, R is um, higher on my on my list, so it should have been. Oh later, no, but... I I, re I realized too because uh, there's a fair amount of the scenes that I included on s top ten scenes of the year from everything included. Uh, yeah. a, a, like uh, technically, a lot of it comes from my number six film or like my number seven. I. I this is our fucking list. We can break our own rule, goddamn rules. Like, uh, but so my whole thing was this. Uh, my scene, I can only think of one, really. Outside um, of your top ten, or your top five, sorry. Outside of my outside of my top, eh, I kind of included it to top ten. Um, there are a fair amount of scenes that were good scenes this year, and I'm probably sure once I think of them, I'm gonna be like, oh, damn it, that was a good one. Um, the realization scene in Glass Onion was pretty good. Like mm. Glass Onion is is in my uh, is in my top ten, but like I don't think okay. that's a surprise. But uh, Glass Onion has a couple of great scenes in there. Uh, but the one that I had, I and this is the one the that layers. the the layers <laughs> onions have layers. But uh, but the main thing that I felt was um. This was the one that I knew you were going to get a little mad at. Uh, I included the black market scene from Jurassic World Dominion in this list. Jurassic World Dominion. I'll be mad at it. It's fine. Oh, I thought you were a person that would have hated it. You're, you know what, Nav? You should see the film. I think you would love it. It's I need dumb, to watch the second one first. No, okay. I, I apologize on behalf of, of what you're about to witness. However... Jurassic Park, Jurassic World 3, and anyone can disagree with me, y'all can come at me in the comments, because that means you are listening. Uh, but the whole thing is that uh, Jurassic World Dominion, it's a bad rap. And if people say, oh, it's dumb, it's like, it has all this stuff, it's really just a bad, like, a bad film. And I kind of go, excuse you, have you seen two? And I'm like, what did you expect? Yeah. Did you expect Citizen Kane? Did you expect to be wowed? It stuck to its I'm guns, like, right? Like, but but that was the but the thing was Colin Trevorrow. There is a thing, and I will spoil this for you because if anything gives you a you point to watch, it is, just get. Yeah. yeah, but I'm I'm going to say for our audience again, is I'm going to say one thing that Colin Trevorrow does is he takes a dumbass dinosaur from the second movie that was basically a gun attached to a gun. And uh, I don't understand why somebody did just to pull the trigger on a gun first. However, Colin Trevorrow doesn't say, oh, that's stupid. We're not going to include that in uh, the next one. He says, motherfucker, how about five? And I go, I respect the hell out of that. And it became my favorite sequence just because of the audacity. Yeah. And it was awesome. It's an awesome sequence. The rest of the movie does not hold up to that sequence. That sequence is fucking great. And I will refuse to take questions on that. Very fair. Um, it's, it's an underground fighting ring with dinosaurs. What else can you want? 
like anyway so now we go on to we go on to best writing now this also was the category that Naf forgot in the uh list that he sent me for our one next week so this is the best category Naf forgot category yeah uh, and so uh Naf because of that I'm going to flip the coin you're going to stay with tails and we're going to see how this goes this is the one you finally don't have to do. Uh, all right. Now, for best writing, I did not discriminate between uh, best adapted and best original. Um, I just kind of included it all. Uh, figured that we would do it that way. Yeah. Um, now, from a writing standpoint, uh, I think that one of the ones in here that is clearly just incredible uh, is Everything Everywhere. Clearly, the story is incredible. It's just mm -hmm. original. It's insane. It's zany. Uh, completely unpredictable. Heartfelt. Yeah. Heartfelt there. The other one I included on this list was The Batman because I argued that film really well written. Very well written. Like the, the actual compelling story, like the screenplay itself is actually really good. And that is coming from a lot of comic book movies. Uh, oh, that also reminds me of a, of a scene that was that I really think the uh, we know what you whisper scene from Wakanda Forever. One of my favorite scenes this year was Which when uh, it, the UN one when they're at, when she Queen oh, Romanda is in yeah. the UN. One of my favorite scenes. Also, Okoye's uh, like demotion. Two 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 great scenes. Forgot yeah. about that until this I've moment. I've given everything. Oh man, have I not given? Uh, that, that's like, what I, I love uh, that too. Where Okoye is going, I've given everything, and she's like. You can see your husband again. He that that man is in jail. I can see. I can't see my son. I can't see my husband. I have nothing, dude. Yeah, I think that she's so on the good. short list for like best supporting actress as well. And Angela Bassett. She Angela oh Bassett God. is on the short list, and I I wouldn't be surprised if she gets it. Uh, yeah. I I don't. I I she might win. I have a different person in that race that I kind of want to win. I wouldn't be upset if Angela Bassett won though. Because uh, um, also, just as an actress, she deserves it by now. But writing what? But Batman to it me, I thought was one of the best, writ best, best written things. Uh, another one was Banshees of Inner Sharon. Uh, I thought Banshees of Inner Sharon probably is the best original screenplay this year. Um, I think that, and I, I love everything everywhere. But again, it's it goes into that category of everything about the film is so good that it's hard for me to put the writing above everything else in that film. Uh, I think like all at once, it was great. It's everything all at once, man. But uh, but Banshees of Inner Sharon is an incredible script that is just so funny that I could feel like I would get this film on paper just as much as I could get it yeah. from seeing it. It feels like, it and could that's be kind of like, and that's where it comes from. However, the one that I have actually winning. Is she said? Okay. Is the is the Harvey the the uh, the actual investigation about the Harvey Weinstein uh, like uh, you know Me Too movement? Mm -hmm. When that when I when I first I heard that about this movie or see even seen the trailer, I, I did feel a certain sense of is this going to be Hollywood patting itself on the back for something that it caused? You know, something that like going oh we're gonna make money off of people suffering. You know. Yeah uh because it tends to do that yeah and uh when it was a film that was really about kind of a spotlight 
Hitchcock-esque look into this investigation. And my wife and I talked about it afterwards, and she ended up reading the book. Or she ended up getting the audiobook for the book that it's based on, because the movie is based on the book written... Uh, I believe it was written by the people who wrote the article, but it also had a third writer who kind of was the investigator talking about the article. And Allie uh, was talking to me that she was basically saying the way that the film feels is the film feels very investigative. It feels very much like investigative journalism. That comes down to the writing. But the, what Alice said was even better, which was the feeling of that film feels like it's the, uh, like it's the article. Like it feels like you're listening to a true crime podcast where it's none of the fluff. It's none, it's not over-dramatized. It easily, in films like this, you easily have the thing of like, well, you're not paying attention to our marriage enough. And it's kind of like how this tortured person doing the work is also, you know, a terrible wife or a terrible this. Like, you know, kind of you have that. This film has none of it. This film is only about the investigation and nothing more. And in fact, in the beginning of the film, it does have a little bit of a parts where it drags as a point of like, uh, it it's a little bit more about them as people. But as soon as that's done, the film picks up like a light and it's like the chemistry and the way that it's written, it just is so subtle and it's subtlety is its strength. Mm. So that's why for me, I had it winning best yeah. writing of the year. Cause I just thought that it's very hard to do what they did. And um, don't worry, everything everywhere is getting more credits, but that I one for me was best writing. It's still showing in Australia, even we've got a date night coming up on Wednesday, so I might even see if I can convince Lou to go watch it with me. Uh, maybe it's like very tasteful. I, I, I will also tell you, it's very tastefully done. It's a hard, it's harder watch, mm. but, it's, but it's done in a similar way to Spotlight where a lot of stuff is described, yeah. but they don't show anything. Okay. Um, yeah, it's but, brilliant. Yeah, brilliant it, sounds, it sounds brilliant. You've, you've sold me on it. I forgot the film was actually coming out. I remember hearing about it and then didn't see um the it's film called is said, called she Lou. said um but yeah so maybe we'll go and see that but um looks dope um for me also i have basically the same choices too i added one which is interesting because it's one that you've you haven't seen and i have which is where we've got the other ones i think triangle of sadness was fantastic um another brilliant original um screenplay it has um, it's satirical and tongue-in-cheek, uh -huh. and it's very much a commentary on the world right now. It it just it does everything right without feeling like too much. Um, I think in terms of the film as a whole, um, it is pretty like slow at the start. But as I was saying, like the first scene or first twenty minutes is like an argument between a couple that like yeah the couple's on the boat, but the argument has nothing to do with with their experience on the boat it's just to give you a better understanding on where these characters are and who these sure. characters are um so i think that that was fantastic and i think that you actually really would love that film too um, the fact that you give it such a glowing review has made me change how quickly i want to see it yeah um banshees of course like in in the theater that i was in there wasn't heaps of people watching it there were a lot of um irish people there though um and it just, it was a really great cinema experience to where everyone was just laughing together the whole time. People were just having a, a great time in a depressing oh, film. It's so, so funny. Such a darkly funny film. It's yeah. such a darkly funny film. Um, 
I just like it really is the black the black comedy literally that like um and it just yeah it's it really is phenomenal Colin Farrell's performance there as well is just like it's it's very very good like he takes that material and man even like Barry Keegan in it I was like what is my boy. what is going on my boy my <laughs> um, boy every single actor is doing a fantastic job there and all of them are incredible actors but it's clear to see that the sort of consistent thread is is the script too it's very very solid very very funny um like one of those films as well which in something like that you could potentially find yourself bored in the hands of a, a lesser writer or filmmaker but yeah. i think that film does a very very good job of maintaining its tone throughout the whole film while staying funny and staying dark and not once at all finding a way to be boring it's there's always something yes new happening it's very very good um i also had glass onion in there um i think understandable particularly uh because of the additional intricacies that you pick up on multiple watches and i've now watched like four hours worth of video essays of people picking up on stuff in that film that i didn't even pick up on and i've seen it twice now how do you think martin scorsese feels about the fact that we'll watch four hours of video essays of people <laughs> versus actually watching stuff on the criterion collection yeah it, yeah, I get it. Um, but I've also found myself like trying to, uh, what's the word? Um, like defend Glass Onion a lot as well. Like I've had conversations with people who were like, "Oh, like I picked the killer really quickly," and I'm like, "Okay, but that's not that's not the point of this film." Same way, the first film, we I knew didn't. we knew who, who was the killer in the first film as well. Like it's, um, but yeah, I remember I watched this video on YouTube where this girl was like, I, I solved it in 10 minutes, and she guessed who it was, and then guessed everybody else, and then at the end of the video, she's like, I guessed right the first time. I didn't have any reason for it. I just guessed that it was him just because I was right. And I'm like, does that mean you're good at guessing the murder? It's like, you got lucky. <laughs> but regardless... Once again, Naf, we get into one of your toxic traits, which is watching videos that are just going to make you angry. Yeah. And you just, just because you want to be able to tell someone that you're never speaking to that they're wrong mm -hmm. that's me i'm a film snob <laughs> yep <laughs> i'm <laughs> a all snob. The people that are out there calling that uh, you know naf i really want a, a like a sticker of you doing this just <laughs> saying i and under it says i'm a film snob <laughs> um but yeah so good i idea think that I'm creating that cl good uh oh it says no oh, it <laughs> failed. the clip failed Let's try we got again. this hold on we can save it Oh, it's on cooldown. Um, Lou, God if you're it. on the stream, can you actually just click the clip button and try and clip it? Um, but regardless, we're, it's 1 hour 49 in. Just remember that time. <laughs> yep. 1 hour 49. Um, but, Did you write that down or, or do you want me to? Uh, I've written it down. But I just, yeah. I think it, it really, really is, it is... It's a brilliant film. Um, yeah. And it's very deceptive in its simplicity um that i feel like that's why it deserves multiple watches and it just yeah that was one of my favorites of the year as well um i've seen it twice now we went and saw it in theaters and it's a very limited theater run which is a fucking travesty netflix if you're listening to this those films need a longer theatrical run you look Agreed. at it and then people are also talking about how its box office numbers were tiny and netflix bought it for 400 million and it's like it had put, no box office numbers it was there for three days like put it Put it in for a proper theatrical. It will do well. It will get it word of mouth. Great. It's it's like 
top watched on in Netflix right now. Um, Understandable. And man. going and going with that, uh, to your point, uh, there. Let's go into. Uh, well, did you have anything else? Did you have your winner? Um. So yeah, that... Glass Onion, Triangle, Sanus, Banshees, and the Batman. For me, I had the Banshees as best uh, writing. Understandable. I would say that's my second. I would say that's my number two. Yeah. In terms of best like line, um, which you had as your sort of subcategory, I don't really have anything specific. Um, I've got. There are lots of. Quotes. I can give you mine if you would. Yeah, if you would Like, just because I can do this. So now, in all seriousness, these are my favorite quotes of the year. Hey, Mr. Wayne, is just having that guy in the funeral scene of the Batman going. Hey, it's Mr. Wayne. Just doing the dumb little smile and the little wave. I'm like, hey, my man, my man. Get your uh, bag, boy. You I'm clipping it because I'm proud of myself. I clipped it into my notes. I wasn't even on the actual. <laughs> uh, but I have that. And then I also got. Now you probably all have one question. Why so blue? Uh, is <laughs> or uh, composer of songs we sang together from Avatar. Both of those are from Way of Water, you dumb fucks. And it's just kind oh, of... He's uh, another one from Avatar. Um, You're not in Kansas anymore. Like, they, you know what's horrible about That's that? That's from the first movie! And they take one of the best lines and best moments in the first film, try and recreate it, and fail miserably. It is not a good scene. It is a very, it's very bad scene. in every single way. Uh... And, uh... No, anyway, yeah, but the but the uh the two lines that I thought were some of the ones that stuck with me, I I, I guess three. There was one I just thought of from Banshees. Uh was I'm not um, dull. Was it that one? I'm not I'm no, it's not I'm not dull. You are dull. It's yeah, yeah, you're nice, but you're dull. Like uh uh sort of uh but no my favorite my favorite thing was my mommy, she was nice. My pappy, he was nice. Or, or no, or it was more specifically with my favorite things of going. Uh, my whole thing with it was I really loved the moment when uh, Brendan Gleeson goes, you know who's remembered for from the 18th century not like uh, for being nice? Absolutely no one. And then he says, but you know who was remembered? Mozart. And then, and then Colin Farrell says, "I don't remember him." So there goes that theory. It just <laughs> yeah, everybody remembers his... that whole scene in the bar is fantastic. When Podrick goes there and he's drunk and he's telling him as well. I think those sequences that those lines you were saying before, where he's like, um, "I don't, I remember her. I remember my mom. I remember my dad. I'm nice." And he also goes, well, "He doesn't realize his cares. sister's there." And he goes, "And she's nice. She's lovely. She's fantastic." Oh. and she's just sitting there like. I'm like, oh. And she yourself. says, and she says, like later on in the film, and she's like, oh, well, you said some great stuff about me, so I thought you said some really fantastic things. <laughs> like... And then I also love after he storms out, where she goes over to um, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Brendan Gleeson's uh, character, Colm. 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 She goes over to Colm, and she goes, "It wasn't the 1800s." Um, and then she also goes something like, "See what you're doing? Like you still hate him? Like he's just a nice guy." And then he Colm goes back to her and goes. It's actually the first time he's been interesting in a really long time. I think I like him again. 
That was my favorite line too. Was he goes, I think I'll, I damn it, I think I like him again. Yeah. It's just sort of a but a, another another line that got me this year uh was um the ending of the Batman where Catwoman says to Batman saying uh the um you can't save the city or something like that. You can't you can't save the city. It'll kill you. Like something akin to that like it, this it, it'll it'll kill you or something. I forget the exact language of it. But it was the first time I had ever felt in a Batman movie when it's like, I gotta stay for this city. I actually believed it. I actually felt like Robert Pattinson needed to stay. And it is that moment where she's she's right. Like, that's why I get chills with that line. Is It's like, she is correct. This will end up killing him. Yeah. And I think that that is, it's unfortunate, but it's and I think the worst part is he knows it. Batman's always been fighting you know? a losing battle too, though, right? Like he's never been able to actually save Gotham. The more that he does, the more people come back and get stronger. Like he's part of the, the escalation problem. thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, even in that movie, it kind of addresses it, like the idea that people are now trying to imitate his version of justice. Which that was in the deleted with scene with the Joker too, right? Where he kind of asks him something to, akin to what is it that you're really worried about? Like, are you trying, like, yeah, why are you trying so hard? Is it because of, like, you just want to stop him or because you're scared you created him? Like, uh, Yeah, something akin to that, like, uh, uh, like this thing of uh, he's a fan of yours, like, sort of thing. Yeah. And, but my favorite line of the year, favorite line of the year, the one that when I told you I wrote it down, I actually got chills, was in another life, I would have liked to do taxes and laundry with you. That's my that's one line. that line in that scene, and not to mention not only that, the line that will come after it, or not after it, but I guess at the end of the film where it says, "Sure, we can do whatever we want. Nothing matters." Because I've heard that line said of "nothing matters" in so many films before, but nothing gave it a a more optimistic feel I think that's than the, this film. That's one of the biggest um, things about that film. And even watching it the, my second time, only like a couple of weeks ago, um, the way that it uses that line, just the concept of nothing matters, but it's showing the pessimistic view of nothing matters and the optimistic view of nothing matters. And then, you know, that, that sort of last part of the film where she turns around with the stone and she's got the googly eyes on a stone and she's like, nothing matters. But then yeah, like, it also attacks that and goes, you know that that's just a wave you're going to ride sometimes and you're going to end up back down here. And she tells her, because um, what's what's the um, the villain's name? Jobu Tapaki. Jobu Tapaki is telling her, um, oh, see, so you found like a happy moment again. But then the film understands it. And in all of those worlds, it crashes again. You know, the raccoonie falls apart and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's very, very good. It's I actually really had, good for a moment. I didn't have that written it, as it, one of my favorite lines, but I had that scene as one of my favorite scenes, the, the laundry and taxes. Laundry and taxes scene. I, I mean, people quote it a fair amount now, and I think that that is... It, it, it was when I saw it, like, that line really stuck with me because I think that people forget that and there's a whole reason with that and i'm about to get into it with our uh, in, a, in a couple of minutes but mm. the, those were just some of my lines uh you good to move on to the next award 
Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So we've got best cinematography up next. Do you want to flip a coin and see if I lose again? Sure, absolutely. We shall heads. see. Oh. Heads. <laughs> All right, best cinematography. I had three choices, four technically. Um, the Batman. Incredible. Uh, Banshees of Inner Sharon, I thought was really, really yeah. well shot as well. Top Gun. Um, I thought well, was okay. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, you know, sort of the behind the scenes stuff on it too, how basically oh, all yeah. of those actors were their own directors on those sequences. And like, that's, it kind of puts Joseph Kaczynski up for a discussion of best director as well. Cause to think, how do you sit down on a ground, on the ground and go, okay, you guys are now going to go and fly for about three hours. And I need, by the time you get back, you need to have filmed these three scenes. Go. Yep. Like that is a different level, um, and yeah. So I think that the cinematography is fantastic in that as well. I also, I mean, Ryan Johnson and Steve Yedlin as a combo, um, they work really, really, well. and they've shot oh, every agree. film together. And every one of his films, no matter your thoughts on him as a director or as a writer or whatever else, I don't think that it can be argued that like his films are some of the best looking films ever made in recent history, all the way back to Brick to now he makes very very good looking films the cinematography even his episodes on shit even his episode yeah exactly like we went back and we just finished um breaking bad and he did fly 51 and ozymandias and i mean people fight about fly all the time but that is one of my favorite episodes of breaking bad it's great like it's 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 great It's great for very different reasons. Like it, it works really well. Again, I still think that Fifty One and Ozymandias are my favorite mm. out of the stuff he's directed. I mean, uh, yeah, it's hard not to pick. But, that. but regardless, uh, with that, do you have others that you wanted on um, your list? With I just, uh, I remember. I feel like we're gonna go through these decently quickly. Yeah, I, I just remembered one other moment I want to talk about from like Ozymandias, which is like just to talk to like how clever of like a, a filmmaker. This is, and I think I sent you the video that I came across on a YouTube short of, I think it was Michelle Williams, one of the producers, talking about how on the scene... Michelle McLaren, I believe. Yeah, very Michelle McLaren. Um, where on set on the day, he had this idea of, like, when Walt's head hits the ground, I want the, the, the ground to crack under him. Yeah. And I remember, like, I never even thought of it that much, but I was just like, oh, cool, like, the ground cracked, that's interesting. But, like, again, the intention there is they went and built a whole contraption to make it do that and shoot dust out from the cracks. And when I went back and watched it again, I was like, yeah, that's not something that happens normally. Oh, my God. That is so good. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. But And what's saying- even better about that, the reason they did it was because of the poem they were naming exactly. the, uh, the, for the episode after. And uh, so with that, I kind of approached... Uh, best cinematography from the standpoint of best shots. Uh, so I kind of, there are some of those that you mentioned, absolutely, like Banshees of Sharon had some great stuff in there, awesome things like that. Uh, I approached it from shots that stayed with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was uh, the upside-down shot for the Batman. Brilliant. The one where the, where I mean, it was in the trailer, and, mm-hmm. and since then I was like, this was is going to be brilliant. The fact, it was the shot that kind of made you go, this film is going to be different. Mm-hmm. was that show. moment and the fact that also all of the shots like the the gunfire in the hallway mm-hmm. the you know um the kind of well also the the kind of um tracking shot they did through the club where it's like everything else is in the background is blurred out except for batman and it's just a great tone setter 
Because it's like, you get the vibe, but you don't need to do your typical establishing shots. It just gave the whole film, like, because you would typically do that, and you didn't. And it was so good, because when you don't do something that everybody typically does, it makes it feel, by its very nature, interesting. Which and, I didn't actually uh, add in my uh, explanation. I just gave you my sort of nominations. But Batman was my winner for Best Cinematography. Really? Okay, well, fantastic. Because uh, I agree with that. One of the other ones I put in here, while I don't think that the full film, there was a stuff that I found out, which was a lot of the day for night stuff, which was very impressive. Sure. I put nope on here. Yeah. I, just, I put nope on here. As you said it, I was like, uh, mm, the, I should have put nope. <laughs> uh, the main thing, the main shot that stayed with me was the bloody house. Mm-hmm. The bloody house when the monster is eating all the people above the house and you just see the blood dripping onto the house like it's rain. And, uh, oh, there were a handful oh, of really that was cool so shots good. too. The Akira motorbike one that they put in the trailer. Oh, yeah. Um, even just, um, uh, our main characters, uh, like on the horse running away from the monster with a dust yeah. cloud behind him. Like, it's just, and again, another fantastic IMAX experience. Like, just, I went and watched that one by myself. Oh, and it yeah. was really, really good. I had to only watch it on my TV, which was a uh, which was a disappointment. But uh, I'm glad that it, it like I got, got a chance Full to see it. Ratio. Oh just... yeah. Now another one that you won't get, so I won't elaborate on this, and I'll just leave it as literally what I wrote, which was uh, Babylon running away from the crackheads. Oh my god! I am not going to explain further. <laughs> since you're gonna see it on monday i don't i'm not gonna spoil anything for you but i'm gonna just stay up late on monday to hear your thoughts um but uh you probably need to wake up early because i'll be out of the theater at midnight so it'll be 5 a.m for you oh damn you're right uh but then the main one for me which was also on here it wasn't the one that i i didn't have really a winner here because i was just like these are all just pretty great uh everything everywhere unsurprisingly nothing no sean there particularly however all quiet on the Western Front. The tanks shot. Yeah. When they're going that over? That shot... Uh, when, they're, when you first see the tanks. And you see them in the distance. And they just look like... What the fuck is that? Yeah, and it's underground the first time. Where they're just eating the food. And you're like, oh, they won. And then it's it's the T-Rex moment of the water. Yep. And I was like, yep. Oh, and the, the rats... The yes, rats, the running. rats running away, dude. That was, that was interesting. So I wanted to know how they did that because I remember looking at the rats and going, "They look." It's something about those rats. I can't figure out what it is, but it was almost like they were in a different frame rate or something that kind of gave them this weird, otherworldly kind of moment. Vibe. Yeah, thing. Yeah, I agree. So that was that. Now we're about to get into one of my favorite questions that I thought was really interesting. Um, let's talk about whose career was made or will be changed dramatically by 2022. There are so many times every year this happens, right? You mm. either get a breakout star or someone who just is in enough. Like you had Adam Driver a couple of years ago, like last yeah, year, I mean, la- last year that there were a couple of people last year that were like, okay, kind of popping off to like Timothy Chalamet a couple of years ago before Florence Pugh was kind of last year. Uh, last year kind of was Florence Pugh's year. Mm. Um, there's a couple of others. I'm I'm blanking on them, but uh, Simu Liu last year. Yes. Uh, uh, but regardless, who do you think was uh this year? Uh, Ki Hyo Kwan. 
Oh, okay, Kiki Kwan, that was yours. <laughs> it, 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 like, it's just. I don't think it could be anything else, except yeah. I. I also put one in there. I go. There are two people that are Hollywood veterans that I think got their comeuppance this year. Not that they haven't in the past, but they kind of had a renaissance this year with just a couple of films that ended up being great for them. One of them was Colin Farrell. Yes. Uh, wow. Yeah. An another one was Paul Dano. Yeah. Because of Fablements and The Batman. Paul Dano, I don't think it really, you know, he hasn't done much. In, I mean, he's done a fair amount in recent years. He's never not been working. Yeah. But his uh, his whole vibe changed this year, I feel. Like, the amount of respect put on his name with those two films, I felt, was remarkable. Um, uh, and uh, I, you do have that naff smile, and I know my two credits just entered the chat. And uh, he's commenting on it, and it's distracting you from me. So I need you to look up here and not at the chat. Just look at my eyes. Um, I what was I gonna say? Um, I forgot. Paul Dano. Colin Farrell. We were talking about this the other day when I came out of Fablemans, and I was just like, at a glance, his character in Fablemans is quite simple, but in the second half of the film, he just he becomes quite complex. And he's, there's lots of layers to how he plays Sam's dad, which I think is just beautiful. Um, yeah, so I agree. Um, However, I have one that I think, besides Kihi Kwan, which was my number two, but number two, it is Brendan Fraser. Uh, we haven't seen His the whale career, yet. but the thing is, we don't have to see the whale to know he's going to win the Oscar. Yep, okay, fair. I actually saw the trailer for it for how the first many, time the other day. How many times? You heard about The Whale because of Brendan Fraser's performance, right? Yeah, what is it, 15-minute standing ovation or something at the film festival? Exactly. Film you festival? know that fact about it before you ever saw the film, right? Yeah. He's got. He's about to win the Oscar. Next year, he's going to be in Killers of the uh, of the Silent Moon or uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, the Martin Scorsese movie. Okay. Uh, this is going to change his career. I do think Kihi Kwan, I think it's a tie between the two of them mm. because then Kihi Kwan is going to, in my opinion, he's going to win the Oscar. He's going to win the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. He's dominated in every single awards thing. Uh, and it he deserves it. And I think that Kihi Kwan's return to cinema marks a huge deal for him. And yeah. I'm really excited for him. And it's something uh, as simple as him being cast in like Loki season two just out of nowhere, just probably Already. based on how good he was in everything everywhere. I'm like, yeah, cool. I want to see, I want to see more of this guy. I really, really do. I do too. And Aaron and I were talking about how he wanted to do a lot of his own stunts, stunts in everything everywhere all at once. So a lot of the fanny pack moves he did, he learned, he actually, Aaron was telling me, Woosh was telling me that he stayed up like the previous night for hours practicing this move again and again, so he could get it. And then he got it in either one or very few takes um, well, yeah, the I dedication. He, I think he is a trained stuntman, he if is, I'm not yeah. mistaken. So I, I make sense why he would want to do his own stunts because he's like, I fucking know how to do this. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. He was so so good in that film. So yeah, I I think that you're right on the money. I didn't think of Brendan Fraser because of that too, but I think that that's also been building for him, and it's kind of just he's now on the other end of the hill because Doom Patrol, he's beloved in that show. 
Um, he plays yeah. Robot Man. Um, yeah, there's we were saying he practiced that one move where he throws the fanny pack at the guard and it catches yeah. him in the nose. It took him two takes. Beautiful. <laughs> and it's it's to me, I'm like, uh, that's such a great, yeah. like, uh, that that's it, it's such a good action scene. Yeah, uh, I did also have two people on here, which I'm I'm going. One of them, I think, is it's more. I think he's going to continue to get his comeuppance because if his inclusion in the Batman means what it means, uh, I think that he is going to get. He's going to be very different from yeah. here on out. Uh, he already from Eternals. I thought he would get a lot more attention than he did, and he did get a fair amount of attention from Eternals. But I think this year was like between Banshees, where he might get a potential supporting actor nomination. Yep. To uh uh to the batman i think barry kogan or keegan or how how it's actually pronounced it's i've keegan. heard it pronounced it uh it, it better be because to share a phonetic pronunciation with that man is uh <laughs> is an honor uh but uh the main thing that i felt with uh barry keegan is the idea that he is ever since i saw killing of a sacred deer that man has been like whoever this guy is he is going to be a big deal. And it wasn't until I saw him in Eternals and saw him in behind-the-scenes interviews, saw him how he actually is, where he is not like he is in Killing of a Sacred Deer, where he's just a creepy, like, mono, uh, monotone guy. It made me appreciate how good of an actor this guy is, where he is a charming motherfucker. And him in Eternals I'm like, is one of my favorite things. The relationship between him and... Uh, I can't he, name, but the uh, uh, Makari. Makari. Oh man, beautiful. They are the best part of that film. Uh like and Gemma Chan. Uh like uh and the next person I'm actually going to say for my breakout star of 2022 uh cuz I think that it's more accurate for that. Uh so why don't we move there? Uh, unless you had other things you wanted to say. Yeah, yeah, no, go for it. All right. So moving on, heads or tails. Oh, um, <laughs> he just stared into space for like a, a solid minute, people, and I'm waiting there. What'd you say? Heads. It's heads. Damn it. So I had percent chance now. Fifty percent. I had breakout star and career like really, really similar. Um, because I found that you know you're you're. I think I really agree with a lot of your choices. Um, particularly like, you know your Colin Farrells and Barry Keegan's that like have. They've done stuff before, but it's kind of like really changed their trajectory of their career. But I think this just made them more relevant with the current audience. Like, yeah, yeah, they were they were relevant for like in Bruges and Minority Report in that time period, but they hadn't been as relevant now, and they've reinvented themselves. Yeah, um, I think that uh, like for Breakout Star, I had um Gigi Kwan as well. Um, I agree. Just, like it just, I think probably more than whose career was like kind of made because i think that that more leans into the things you were saying around brendan fraser these guys who kind of reinvented themselves but this guy's come out of nowhere his last film was freitas um yeah like he he's come out and said you know there was no films that wanted um like an asian male lead like it just there wasn't it didn't exist and then he's come across this and um i find it kind of confusing that he sort of looks like my dad um but yeah <laughs> like that's a, beside the point. Um, he, Do you want him to be your dad, or does he look like your dad? I need a Waymond in my life. We all need a Waymond in our life. 
but so yeah, I don't have much else. Day team. To me, the only two that I put on here because I kind of took Kihi Kwan uh, as a given in my mind. I think Kihi Kwan is the right choice. I think he's the only choice. So I kind of was trying to challenge myself outside of there. Uh, and I thought about the two two that I thought were breakout stars. Uh, one was Austin Butler. Uh, <laughs> this year for Elva. Not not for you. Yeah. I'm not saying that Elvis is the best movie. What what I'm saying is that uh, him yeah. as an actor, he's also about to be in Dune Part Two. Yeah, he's gonna blow up. And he's and he's going to be huge in that. And not only that, he does look a lot like me with no beard. And so mm-hmm. I have to I have to support my long headed brethren. He was in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last year as well, or the year before. I can't remember when that came out. Uh, 2019. Really. What? 2019, bitch. Whoa. Um. Anyway, yeah. So, uh. Anyway, yeah. I could see that as a choice. Um. I just, I, I really didn't like Elvis. Um. And his performance didn't help. Fuck you. <laughs> um. Yeah. Like I thought he did a good job. I genuinely hope he doesn't win the Oscar. Um. Just I because I, I feel like so many it. other people. Had fantastic leading roles. It just it, I agree. It shouldn't be him. I don't think it des- I don't think it deserved it. I don't think that uh, he deserves. I think he deserves a nomination. I think that that's yeah. fair. But I don't think he should win. I, I think, think that Brendan. That... I haven't seen the whale, but I'm going to say Brendan Fraser should win. You know why? You know why he should win? Because I've seen him cry at that at that 17 minute standing ovation. I saw him cry on that Zoom interview where somebody was just saying, "Us on the internet, we're really ready to have you back," and then he was just like, "Oh." You guys really? And I was like, "You sweet bean, you need to be awarded with some gold. Get some respect on this goddamn name." It is a tragedy that we'll never see his firefly from the Batgirl movie. I, he was perfect casting for that. That is the one thing about Batgirl that I'm really, I'm really sad. I did not get a chance to see because the costume looks really cool. Yeah, the costume looked really good. It was also directed by the same guys who worked on Miss Marvel, so that kind of made it really promising mm. for me. Um, they were the directors. Um, but who knows with the old Warner Brothers regime how it actually was going to turn out? Yeah, but I remember seeing an interview with them where they were talking about how when they found out, they found out through the news. And then they and log- I hate that. They logged on to try and download it and save it. And when they logged onto the server, it was gone. So to my understanding, it's actually purged. It doesn't exist anymore. They don't even have it to go, ah, let's release what we made. Yep. It, yeah, it's actually a tragedy. Like, I can't believe that. Um, I like a lot of the stuff that Warner Brothers is doing over at, uh, like, I love a lot of what David Zaslav is doing. I don't know about that one. I think that that one was a bit of a too bold a move but i also understand if you if, if if it was let's just say if it was as bad as they were saying let's just say it was it's not like it was doing it's doing a whole lot to dc's reputation to uh, to have that there yeah. so it's one of those things where i'm like okay if it was as bad as they say it was and it's like a morbius <laughs> and you have the whole thing of going the brilliance of no way home having the hype train of that being completely de-fucking-railed by Morbius is really hard to, to get back on track yeah. with. Like, they needed to stick the landing after No Way Home, and they didn't. But the, that's what I'm wondering about Batgirl, is let's say it didn't, how much that would have set them back. Mm. Yeah, it's very true. But um... nonetheless, I, I agree with Brendan Fraser ultimately with that. However... 
Uh, going to the next thing, the other person I had in my breakout star was uh, Stephanie Shu. Uh, from every everything everywhere, she's the oh villain. yes yeah, yeah yeah absolutely, and she kills it in that. I know there's a lot of talk about Jamie Lee Curtis in that movie, as there should be, but people do not talk about her enough. Yeah, and that that is really tragic because she stole the movie away from Michelle Yeoh just as much as she stole like. And if anything else, yeah. Now uh, that that was it, but I know you who you were really excited about our next category, best um, non twenty twenty two film that you saw in twenty twenty two. I think quickly just on that previous topic, um, there was one point that I wanted to add, which was around like we were talking about Austin Butler and the the Academy Award or like the the, the nomination, um, and I was thinking on that as you were saying it, and I didn't really get a chance to add this, but um, I'm thinking that like I don't know about you, but for me. I feel like I don't love it when people get nominated for biopics. I've always found that I'm like, like when I see a best actor, I'm like, this is for something that you've kind of created. Created. And when you're just playing someone, like for example, Remy Malik as as Freddie Mercury, I'm just like, that's not his best work. Like it just it's 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 fine. And I don't love that movie, but the movie's fine, and his performance as Freddie Mercury is pretty good. But I'm like, there were a lot of other fantastic performances that year that I'm like, you've taken it away for somebody who played something that was already existed in our world. I want to see something fresh. That's that's another one of the reasons why I didn't want Austin Butler to win the Academy. I, I, I understand that. I understand that. And I think that that's fair. I just like Austin Butler. I, I didn't even realize he was that uh, Mason Colt member in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which would have been the only other thing I would have known him from mm. uh, until I saw... Um, this movie and i was like i just think that this guy is great i think the way baz lerman does a good job uh with it but i will agree that i don't think he deserves the oscar win baz lerman does a good job should not be a sentence that exists i will t i will defend that and later on but continue on um but yeah so on to the next point we're talking about best non-2022 film now we obviously ran a Ricky weekly watch list this year um we're also running a little short on time but um we ran a weekly watch list this year where we got a lot of movies from people that you know just shared their favorite films with us i kind of made a conscious decision to not pick any of those um for Same. like you know we're going to do something about that a little bit later um but you know some new films that i saw here that i hadn't seen before were my cousin Vinny saw that for the first time jaws oh. midsommar uh call me by your name belfast uh, the godfather i saw for the first time this year good time so like my no wonder is... you're a film snob yeah in one year i was just <laughs> You've also seen more of, like, classic films than I have. I saw Armor of God this year as well, yes. Uh, we should introduce Lord, me to I that. I don't even know what the fuck that is. One of Jackie Chan's early films. Oh, okay. It, it was it was wild. Um, it, was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty good, though. Um, but, yeah, so, we, like, I watched heaps of stuff that I hadn't seen before. Um, and it made it really, really difficult for me. But, like, things that stood out, like, obviously The Godfather is just, like, it's a behemoth. I saw I got to see it in theaters too, which was great. I also saw E.T., which I got to experience E.T. and Jaws both in IMAX, which were both fantastic. E.T. is now my favorite Spielberg film. Um, Jaws holds up pretty damn well. Um, Low-key, though, like, my cousin Vinny, I, I don't know if you've seen that, but, like... I've seen that movie. That, that just... It was very surprising to me 
how it's a very surprisingly good movie. I, like I didn't know what to expect when it was when when I turned it on, and I was just like, even early, the the, the script is just really tight and funny and quirky, and like it's filled with heart, and like it just it's very very good. Um, and Midsommar was so much better than I thought it was going to be too. Um, I really, really appreciated that, um, which I've been getting into some more horror this year. Um, so, like, that was a nice little stepping stone. Um, but I've been finding while getting into more horror that things aren't as scary as I thought they were. I still don't like jump scary stuff, but, like, those kind of... I like the feeling of being a little bit tense watching the film now. Like, that's... I agree. Uh, yeah. Um, but it probably would be, like, E.T. or My Cousin Vinny. Okay, well, fair. Uh, the, uh, mine go, uh, I also likewise, I had a fair amount of time on planes this year, uh, saw Seven Samurai for the first time, oh, uh, saw, my list forever. that's the Kurosawa? Yeah, Kurosawa, uh, saw Seven Samurai for the first time, saw, uh, Atonement, which was one of the ones that I, I was blown away by. Uh, Why does that sound familiar? That's cool, it's easy. Uh, Kira Knightley, James McAvoy, uh, it's World War II movie. Uh, you'll recognize it when yeah, you see yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's I a lot of like imagery. A scene from this on TikTok. Yep, I, I, I have no doubt that you did. Uh, we're gonna watch that at some point next year, like this year, I think, because uh, it's one that took me by surprise how much I really liked awesome. it. Because there's a, there's something that happens in the ending that it betrayed my trust in it, and it stuck with me ever since. Wonderful. Uh, but, I'm excited. Uh, so. Uh, that drive my car. It was a recent one, but still saw that for the first time. I'm gonna watch that. Uh, saw come uh uh come on come on uh mass and uh was I, Phoenix yeah that was last year yeah yeah really good. That was uh, on my list. Uh, I think it's a good meditative one. It's like it's a good one that's kind of like a it was it, it, it's a it's a good film, but it also just asks a lot of questions. It's a very like efficacious film. It is kind of what it's about. Yeah. Um. And so I I think it's really well done. I would say that that was on the list. However, none of them be Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It's a French film. Came out a couple of years ago. Uh, I think about eight twenty eighteen, if I'm not mistaken. I have made a big hubbubaloo when uh it came out. Brilliant film. Uh. It's a LGBTQ film about a woman who basically is hired to uh, paint the portrait of a lady in waiting. Um, she doesn't want the portrait painted, so she has to do it in secret. So she has to spend a lot of time with this woman mm. and kind of uh, get, memorize her features and then goes and paint it. It's one of the most sensual movies you will ever watch. Okay. One I mean... of the most... It, it, it's really beautiful. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Um, watch it on a plane. Uncomfortable movie to watch on a plane, to some degree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how, but I didn't realize that until because also like I'm a kind of an ace guy, so it's like a bit of a thing where it's like I'm an ace by man who like has this whole thing where it's like okay, and then all of a sudden the stewardess comes by to give you your burrito, and you're like, uh, I'm watching two two women in bed together, and it's like I hope you don't take this in a different way. Yeah. Um, but. Anyway, regardless, that was the one that uh, did it for me. Uh, awesome. But I also didn't. I also did not include some of the ones we watched for a weekly watch list. Yeah, because uh, I'm cool. saving that for uh, next week or the following. Okay. But uh, nonetheless, right, so... moving right along, uh, we have uh, a couple of going in. 
Now, best supporting actor slash actress, I am gonna take this one. I'm not gonna make a split for it because I'll take this one to start us off. If you're if you're ready for it. Go for it. All right. So I took this uh, in our on because I feel like since we're rushing through these, I'm not gonna give a ton of reasons why for these, and I think it's better because I'm gonna do this to an unhinged level. I promised you all unhinged nature, and I will deliver. So here's what's gonna happen. I chose this to be best supporting character. And so now uh, this is meaning I don't really give a shit about the performance, but this char- the, these characters in these films truly were the best supportive parts about it. Now I'll tell you, the best supporting character was Elvis. No one did, or not was Tom Hanks and Elvis because no one supported a film like that and supported Naf's hatred for a performance. That was also low key Naf. This is a complete joke, just a complete joke about about okay. Tom Hanks. However, I was, what I will mm. say. What I will say is I was tempted to say whose career was changed forever by 2022. I was going to say Tom Hanks because I say now there's no way in hell NAF is going to go see a Tom Hanks movie. The way and that I, said... I made a tweet about this the other day that like his performance in that film switched me off of him so much that it's retroactively ruined films that I've watched with Tom Hanks. And now I'm in the trailer seeing a trailers for, you know, like a man called Otto. And I'm like, no. It's like, ew! Why would I watch that? It's that, that, that is that is going to set us up for failure with Saving Private Ryan. But I will, uh, I will ask you to forgive forgive him for that film only because it's, it's just... really funny. Every other reason, uh, yeah. but nonetheless, uh, the other ones I also said was the camera crew from Top Gun. The fact that they held onto those planes <laughs> the way that they did was yep. really supportive. I also have the tanks and all quiet on the Western Front. Nothing was more supportive to the French forces than those tanks. Uh, but I, I will say also, um, there was a point where uh, Stephanie Shu lifts up a prison guard uh, in uh, Everything Everywhere. So she was pretty supportive at that point. Uh, I also think you won't understand this, but the AD in Babylon was great. Also, the stands in Pinocchio, how they got those puppets to stand, uh, it's the really unsung hero of Pinocchio, is the little metal rods. Uh, but I will say, uh, other than that, also, uh, the penguin steals the show away from everybody. He just gets to go over there and be funny. He just gets to go over there and be like, hey, what you showing me? Come on! Like, Come on, he gets to have those lines. Open your eyes! It, but he's so good in that fucking thing, and I can't believe we're getting the series this year, I believe. We're getting the series uh, Did I tell you that the Penguin. I had this thing with the, that film, which bugged me, um, with, in, in the Batman, where they talk about um, uh, El Rada Alada. Uh, and, you, and you picked it up on that? Yeah, but, like, they're saying it like the winged rat. Because of the American accent, they say Alada instead of, um, like, Alada. And to me, it sounded like E-L-A-D-A, which is like Frozen. So when I was watching the film, I was like, what? like Frozen rat? Like, Elado is like ice cream or like iced. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm like, like, I'm like oh, right? the, like... the iced rat? Okay. What's the deal with this? So it kind of like made the mystery more complex for me because I was like, hmm, well, I wonder what it means. Why? And then he's explaining the winged rat. I was like, huh? <laughs> Yeah, and then um, you go El Rada Alada. Oh, oh, okay. My own language. Oh, I got it. Um, yeah, I had the, the one that I speak. I got confused because y'all are American. God damn it! And... One of my favorite performances um, 
like best that's supporting arm of actor. your chair. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, one of my Continue. favorite performances um, was Nicholas Hult in the menu. I think. Like, oh, I think you'll love him too. He just like. I'm very excited to see that. Oh, dude, he's so good in that film. I'm really keen for you to watch it, and um, I also do doing. feel like because he's uh, Mark Rylance, I feel like I gotta include Mark Rylance from. Uh, I haven't seen the film, but I gotta include it from uh, Bones and All was Mark Rylance. Uh, yeah, but but nonetheless, I also have Alfred. Uh, was also Andy what Serkis. Andy Serkis is Alfred, uh, one of the best supporting actors of the year. Uh, I also put uh, Barry Co- B- Barry Keegan, not not from not from Banshees. From the deleted scene in the Batman, that is the from the deleted scene in the Batman. Any of y'all who haven't watched that deleted scene, you're missing out. That deleted scene is incredible, just sheer perfection. Yeah. Now, uh, now to go a little bit more serious, uh, the ones that I really did put in here was I put Paul Dano for both Batman and Fablemans. Yeah. I thought he was brilliant in both. Uh, I also put the uncle from Fablemans, uh, you, like you, Judd Hirsch. I thought he was brilliant. He stole the show in that moment. I he said that to you all streaming. You're like, eh. I was like. Yeah, no, there's no way I wasn't putting. It was the, the funny thing about it was you putting it on. You said it literally as I was putting it down. And I said, I should look up the actor. And you said, who's Judd Hirsch? And then I was like, is that the uncle from Fablemans? And then uh and then I was like, and I just didn't even have to look it up. I just typed it down. And Amazing. so um, but nonetheless, uh Carmine, now here's one for me. I I put John Turturro in the Batman. Him as Carmine Falcone. When he plays that sort of creepy, you know, he was up on that stairs looking down. Oh why? Because your father ain't around. Like that intimidating motherfucker that doesn't have to raise his voice at all. Yeah. Like that whole thing of like, I came to prove that not everybody is going to do that. Like, you know, he, cause I thought it was a tough act to follow after Batman begins Carmine Falcone. Like the whole thing of doing the only those who know me, kid, you're a lot shorter than you are on the tabloids, Mr. Wayne. Like, you know, no gun. I'm insulted. Like, you know, sort of thing. Oh, we have a, we have a, we have a, Mr. Jester asked us to pick a, a favorite color or pick a color. Go pick a color, which will change our uh, our scenes. Color seventeen. What is color seventeen? That must be seventeen. Uh, Reminds me of my teenage years. I'm gonna go with chaotic. What's chaotic for you? We're gonna find out. My teenage years were evil we're going with red oh wow cool <laughs> those are very prideful teenage years um i think that all except of your... all the all but the lgbtq way <laughs> your um your choices for best supporting actor are fantastic um i think oh all i also included brendan i also included K- kihi kwan as well as brendan uh Perea from nope as angel yeah cool yeah, he was choices. one of those that I was like, oh, he's going to be fucking awesome. Yeah, I really liked the director in Nope as well. Oh, you know Jordan Peele? No. The oh, no, no, the... no. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
Uh, no, you're absolutely right. That director was really, the director of photography. Did I tell you he was going to show with a mechanical camera? Like, let's go, boy. <laughs> um, yeah, I had um a lot of the same people. Obviously, I had um Nicholas Holt, Brendan Gleeson as well. I thought it was fantastic. Oh, Brendan um, Gleeson, yeah, I considered him uh, uh main, but same deal. Yeah, uh, I suppose that's fair. Yeah, um, and then yeah, in Bones and All, uh, I can't remember his name. You said him before, uh, Mark Rylance. Very, very creepy. Like very, very uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, fantastic. Like definitely somebody who could win that award. Uh, yeah, I don't have much else to add there. I think that like we're right on the money. Um, and so, all right, moving on to actress. Yeah. Um, I think the next one you had here was best line in a movie, but I think we've covered that in a lot of the scenes we've spoken about. We we, we covered it earlier. Unless you have others to add. I have a lot of lines from Marcel the Shell with shoes on, but I actually don't want to say them because I think that they're better experienced in the film. Got it. Um. Yeah. So best actress actor, I've got a couple here I could go through. Like, oh wait, but what about uh supporting actress? Oh, supporting actress, I didn't write them. I just I had just actors. All right, so we see Naf's true colors at Ooh. this present moment. But listen, I did not forget the wonderful work done by incredible supporting actresses here, because I don't just think about the men in films. I think about you know the women as well. Uh, so my whole thing is I, I included, uh, Stephanie Shu from mm -hmm. everything everywhere. Great choice. Uh, I thought, I thought Daedra, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis from that film as well. Um, I also felt that, uh, uh, Carrie Condon from Banshees of Inner Sharon, Mike's granddaughter or not granddaughter, Mike's daughter in law in Better Call Saul. She is incredible. And, and she, I think she deserves the best, act, uh, a best supporting actress nomination. That's I think that likewise. Was. Oh, she was so familiar, and I was like, who is she? Mike's daughter-in-law. Yeah. Uh, and so um, she's actually Irish. Full Irish. Wow! She is Irish. Her, her American accent is, a full a is, a f is, is made up. That's a full accent. Uh, but the whole thing was um, with... Uh, I also wanted to include on this Zoe Kravitz in um, Batman. But then again, that can also kind of be leading actress. But... Um, uh, kind of like a co-lead. Uh, my leads are very particular, so I wanted to do that too. I thought Kate Hudson also did really well in Glass Onion. I thought fantastic. she was really good. Uh, also, the assistant, her assistant in Glass Onion was really good. Yep. Yep, she was great. She's uh, a great actress too. Angela Bassett, obviously, but I feel like she's getting her comeuppance already that like I think that it's yep. very clear. Elizabeth Olsen in Multiverse of Madness was really great. Yep. Uh, uh, I will say that the uh, the Illuminati were not necessarily best supporting actors, if you know what I mean by the end of the movie. But uh, nonetheless, Naf, any anybody that you want to add to that list? In um, all seriousness, no, I think all of your choices are probably exactly what I would have gone with. Um, yeah, like most of them are from the same films that I saw. Um, let me quickly look at my letterbox again. Um, do, 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 lists twenty twenty two. Um. Where are we? No, 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 no. Triangle of Sadness um, had, there was one, like, two characters in there. One who was, he only shows up in sort of the latter half of the film, so he probably is supporting actress, but it's that line that I was telling you about uh, off stream beforehand. Um, like, she kind of becomes a lead by the end of the film. For the first half, she just doesn't exist, which is, again, commentary on 
that world as a whole. She's a toilet cleaner in the first half of the film, and in the second half, she's quite important. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I thought she was fantastic. I don't actually have the name of the actress. Let me actually grab that. Um, but the character was Abigail, and her name is Dolly DeLeon. And I think that she actually is um, been on a bunch of people's lists for Best Supporting Actress. Um, yeah, so she was absolutely fantastic. Um, and then next we had Best Actress and Actor. Yes, uh, I will flip the coin. Uh, hold on. No, fuck you. Um, Felix Camera right. from All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, Ooh, which is I that, the, is that the main guy or is that Cat? Oh, I think Cat was actually really fantastic as well. Um, so I I definitely give him um like props too, but yeah, just particularly like even throughout moments towards the end of the film, um, with like all the bits and pieces that happen there, I think from even the last couple of minutes of the film, he just he's fantastic. Um, so good. Yeah, it. And the way that that film just beats you down over and over again, and he gives the impression of being beaten down over and over again. There are events that happen to this character and things that he does, and you just watch, and it's heartbreaking for this guy. So he absolutely yep. killed it. Yep. Um, I had Colin Farrell um, for uh, Podrick, and then I had Michelle Yeoh um, as well. Uh, you know, it all this obviously goes without saying too. Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc. It's absolutely phenomenal. He's uh, he's already an iconic character in a franchise that's just you know brand new. Um, my favorite thing are the tweets that are going on. You sent me a couple, but it was like the tweets that are going along in um, Benoit Blanc's accent of being like the Red Dragon, which I already warned you, is not to be trifled with. Like that, I was cackling at that yeah. like the other day. So like so much, like just how they just they phonetically spell out how he would say it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So I think he's he's fantastic. Um, who would be your picks? All right. So for best actor, the only two honorable mentions I could think of, because ultimately I did not think this was a strong year for leading actors. I did not think it was uh, to the degree of I felt that the two people that I put was Pattinson, I, but I more put that on Matt Reeves' direction than necessarily like, again, Rob Pattinson, phenomenal. Like he was exactly what he needed to be. The fact that throughout everything, it's just the eyes Quite a subtle of him. Such a subtle performance, but I think that that's why I wanted. Allie was the one who brought it up and she was like, you, you're not putting Pattinson on that list. Like, and, and I'm like, oh, I think you're right. I got to. Uh, and then the other one I put was Brendan Gleeson, uh, subsequently also called him Farrell. Uh, they're the only two that I would have on there that I felt were worthy of it. Because uh, the main actor the year to beat is Brendan Fraser. Haven't seen The Whale, but I've seen that 17 minute standing ovation. I've seen that Zoom. And if anybody de deserves it, it's him. Yeah. Even if the movie is shit and the character is terrible. I saw one clip of it that gave me chills about uh, from it. And I'm like, yeah, this guy's winning. Uh, and I am, I'm like, I think this is stellar. It's incredible. And he deserves it. So I'm very excited to all see of, that. Uh, now, actresses, or what I call my completely non-subjective, totally objective opinion on a performance by a leading actress, is my nominees are Michelle Yeoh, Michelle Yeoh, Michelle Yeoh, Janelle Monet. 
Shell Yo. Janelle Monet was fantastic. Carrie Mulligan for She Said. Kiki Palmer for Nope. And who is this? Michelle Yo. <laughs> uh, so who won? It, it, the, the, hmm. uh, um, uh, Carrie Mulligan. Congratulations. Uh, but no, like truly, the thing with Michelle Yo and everything ever. Neither of us saw Tar. That, whoosh. That's why I came. None of us saw. Way. None. None of us saw Tar. I. Uh, tar would be the only person, even without seeing the film, I would already put Kate Blanchett on the list. But I want to be honest, and I can't, like... Uh, it's interesting I that you haven't seen a film with Brendan Fraser in it, and you give him Best Actor, and you also haven't seen a film I've with Kate seen Blanchett. But I've seen the standing hmm. ovation. Did Kate Blanchett get a standing she ovation? Did. She did I don't know. Did, but did I get it with well, her crying at it, or I did see, I get I her looking sexy because two. she's both? I, I, I uh, well, listen, I'm not the one who forgot about actresses, so I was trying to uh, cover my own ass. I know you are, and that's a hell of a reason to bring it up. I don't have, I don't have shame. I didn't see it, and I said that even though I haven't seen the whale, I could tell that he's already good in it. So I'll add it in there. Kate Blanchett, my segment's not over, bitch. So, uh, like, here's the thing about Michelle Yeoh. Like, ultimately, short, short little stint, Kiki Palmer. I just love her as an actress. I, I'm glad to see her come back in a big way. Uh, with Nope, I thought she was charismatic as hell. I wish there was a little bit more done with her character in the movie, but that was not her fault. She was brilliant. Mm. Uh, and uh, But Carrie Mulligan, she's going to be put in the supporting actress category in the Oscars, but I don't think that that's fair. I think yep. that she is just as much a lead. And she is going back to subtle performances. I love performances that are very muted uh, because I think it's harder. Yeah. It's harder to also get people's attention that way. Because again, it's like, in a, we're used to the, again, it's why we were always angry that Ray Seahorn was never getting her nomination because she was so subtle. And everybody else is like doing the whole, oh, I'm crying. Oh, I'm so much. It's like, it's so much harder to be recognized for the yeah. stillness. And the intensity, and she does. She brings that to she said in in a big way. It was brilliant. I went instant. But Janelle Monae, same deal. The fact that she plays the character in such simple ways is really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you said, it lived up to it. She just commands the room, and that's also in combination with Ryan Johnson's direction with that. But Janelle Monae steals the show. She's great. Frankly, a lot of the actresses in that movie steal the show. Um, nonetheless. The thing about Michelle Yeoh in, um, in Everything Everywhere is the she tends to, I feel like, get a rap of either just to put her as the action person or the aging Asian mother, you know, like kind of she always kind of gets those roles and she deserves them. She's great. It's fantastic. She's talented. But it felt like she never got to, uh, understood Naf, and I hear you so we'll kind of just run through everything next uh so my feeling is that bottom line michelle yo deserves this if anything as i said earlier the the things that you can really besides the entire film of everything everywhere the only things that you can really pull out of that film and go that was fucking incredible was the in my opinion and this might give a little bit of a spoiler later on it's the direction it's the editing kihi kwan and michelle yo that's the thing. And Michelle Yeoh, above all, 
really kills it. The emotion that she brings while being so complicated and kind of being unlikable to some degree, but she's lovable. Mm -hmm. Like you don't like the character's so frustrating, but you like her a lot. And she's so funny. Like the whole thing of you can either rise to the occasion or you can stay here. I want to stay here. And just goes into like her ball. I'm like, it's perfect. It's great. But nonetheless, with that said, uh, I want to move over to the favorite scenes for a movie. I'll just stick to the ones that I have written here. I won't necessarily elaborate. I'll just kind of go with it, kind of go through them. Uh, favorite scene, uh, tanks in all quiet Western front. That scene, the whole thing there was so full with dread and so horrifying between that and the flamethrowers. It just had a psychologically disturbing effect on me. And I was like, that was so fucking brilliant. Second, also within All Quiet on the Western Front was the opening scene with the kid's uniform. Mm. It was such a powerful way to show this. I didn't realize that was what they did during that time. And it makes sense that they were running out of materials. And the fact that they lead up to the point where the kid's like, oh, sorry, this was meant for somebody else, chucks it. And it's the kid that was killed in the opening scene. Mm. And it's like this kind of foreboding thing of you're wearing the uniform of somebody who already died. And you know? the other thing that adds to that is when he drops the... He's like, oh, it belongs to somebody. He takes it off and then he throws it on the floor and there's so many other ones there that you know that that's basically... Oh, oh yeah, all of them it's too. everybody. Yeah. But... And then... And the other one I got was uh, the Batmobile scene oh. in The Batman. Yeah. Uh, just that, that, that roar. What I would give to see that in the Chinese uh, theater again. Just that roar of the Batmobile plus the ending of the Batman. Yeah. From the uh, the the whole the climax fantastic. is the mono, but but beyond the monologue, it's that final look to that Michael Giacchino score. The perfect shot of it's not supposed to be subtle. It's supposed to be you understand exactly what it is, but it's the fork in the road. She goes one way, and he has to go back. But he looks in that rear. I'm tearing up. Like he looks back at that rearview mirror, at like what he wanted to do, but then looks forward, and you can tell he speeds up the car, yeah. like he or he speeds up the motorcycle and just goes bum. Like it's just fucking perfect. Yeah, and it's like it doesn't stay a minute too long. It doesn't stay a minute like before it. And then there's only one other uh, line I had in that, uh, or one other scene, which was from she said. It's the recording. There's a scene where they play a recording and it's a real recording of uh, a wiretap that they did with Harvey Weinstein. Oof. And it's so, I had seen this in other like news clips when everything was coming out, like I had seen stuff from it, but the way that they do it, they have subtitles with it. And it's just little images of like hinting at the aftermath. Yeah. Of what happened. But it's not during. And just hearing that the real clip was so unnerving and it's it's worse than if you were seeing it. Gotcha. Because seeing it, you're like, oh, it's a scene. But hearing it, no. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, th those are my three uh, favorite scenes. How about you? They're fantastic. Um, I think that, yeah, lots of stuff from Batman definitely sticks out, particularly like the visual stuff. Um, like, you know, where he's leading everybody out holding the flare oh and, yeah there's some good stuff there. i forgot to mention that in best shots but that was one of them yeah um yeah there's heaps of stuff like that there's one sequence in um what's it called uh triangle of sadness which is really really gross and it's got to do with uh when the ship is sort of wobbling from those and everybody has seasickness 
effect. It just oh, no. it's very effective what it was trying to do, and it it's it's very very gross. It's very over the top. Like you have somebody sitting on the toilet, blowing from both ends, and then the ship falls and they fall off the toilet and everything's going everywhere and they're slipping all over their own stuff. No, like it's, it's very well done and it's disgusting. Um, yeah, there's heaps of sequences from Puss in Boots, Pinocchio meeting death, Puss in Boots meeting death, like these. It, yeah, there's lots of really good stuff there. Pinocchio, actually, the opening sequence is, like, it's very much a, um, a Jonathan Banks, my boy, kind of vibe. Um, so in Pinocchio? In Pinocchio. So, yeah, God there's lots of stuff it. like that. Um, no. Yeah, like, they're, they're, and I think a lot of the films that I really liked, I would talk a lot about the film in general, but yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting my, my actual time limit, so I think let's move on to our best directors and then quickly run through our top tens and let's finish up. Absolutely. So I'll just run down. Uh, I think some of these are pretty uh, self-explanatory. I'll give a little brief uh, uh, elaboration on one just to defend it, uh, but I put the Daniels uh, for everything everywhere. I think that they... Uh, I think they take the cake ultimately. Mm. Um, I did put Matt Reeves as the Batman as my winner because I'm like in the day and age when comic book movies are done feeling like that they are just kind of factory created. It's it's amazing that the Batman was made and made to feel like, no, this is something that I want you to take seriously. Yeah. And not only that, like not trying to do a Todd Phillips way of doing it where it's almost like, oh, almost embarrassed at the fact that it's a comic book movie. It's like, no, this is comic book and it's good. Shocker. Uh, you know, he just does it so well and his Agreed. his subtlety, it's it's so emotional and it's so emotionally complex, which is why I think it's my favorite Batman film ever. Mm. Uh, uh, I put Top Gun Maverick. I did put the the I forget the director's name. Uh, you Kaczynski. had you said it earlier, Joseph Kaczynski. I think that he did a great job. I think it kind of goes back to this idea of creating the stunt pictures, almost like creating this idea of purely films created purely based around the kind of concept of doing some really practical stunts because it's the same team that does Mission Impossible, right? Yeah. Because he just does a great job with that and making these event films and the fact that he made it happen. It's incredible, like what he was doing. Um, however, uh, I put Baz Luhrmann. Uh, Why? Because I think because I think that Baz Luhrmann did an incredible job with the idea of how he went about creating it. The fact that he brought in a Dua Lipa and various other creators to do the songs that would be because his whole point was to try to show you as an audience why this was a groundbreaking thing at the time, but he can't do it with the original songs because it doesn't have the same effect as it does now. And the fact that he did get some of that right, I agree that the film is too long. I think that Tom Hanks is terrible in it. I think that the film kind of loses its sting, uh, which is why it's not in my top 10. Uh, but I think that Baz Luhrmann is so good at what he does and he made it very interesting. And it is unlike a biopic that you've really seen. It is very, you can at least, whether you liked it or not, you can at least give up points for being creative. Uh, that's all I say. Uh, now, I did put Edward Berger for uh, All Quiet. I also put uh, Maria Schrader for She Said. Uh, Damien Chazelle, I also put down, even though Babylon steps on its own feet at the end. I really feel that uh, Damien Chazelle, no one, people have tried to make Babylon, and I think... Damien Chazelle's the one who came the closest to actually succeeding. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then Greta Gerwig for Barbie. Already going to win. She'll win two years in a row for all I care. Amazing. She already has won. Uh, no, what about you? Um, a lot of the same. Matt Reeves, Daniels, Edward Berger, Joseph Kaczynski. I had Martin McDonough as well for Banshee. Oh, sure. That's true. Um, and I had Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. Just... That, that also, I would agree. I can't fathom, like, even for me starting to learn how to write things and, like, what that's going to look yeah, basically trying to figure out what does a story yeah. look like. I can't even fathom how he put that story and that production together with the amount of intention that there is. Like every single thing on screen all the time is thought out. And so I don't understand how you went through that level of planning to actually execute that film in the manner in which he did. Um, I think that he's honestly very, very close to being first for me. Um, but I think that on the budget and particularly the Daniels in terms of like outdoing themselves, like Ryan Johnson is doing stuff that I just know that he's good at. He's always been good at this stuff. He's always made very good productions like that. Um, and so he's probably a very close second and the Daniels take first for me because I think that they're just on that same level with a lot less potentially experience. Um, which is just I, I think the same thing with I think the same thing with Matt Reeves where mm -hmm. I go Matt Reeves doing the Batman I would I would say Matt Reeves for me is your Ryan Johnson in that list where it's like uh, I think that Matt Reeves should be considered for being one of the best directors of this year easily I think that Batman is one of the best films made this year he's one of um, the best and I, directors in, in general too like in just... general and again I agree with you where it's like if if this was not Batman and it was if it was like some random vigilante person, this would we'd be talking about this film being nominated for Best Picture easily. There yeah. wouldn't be a question about it. But here we are. Nonetheless, we are entering our top ten. So Naf, without further ado, we are going to start with our number ten pick. And Naf, what is your number ten? What are we talking about today? The menu. On the count of th the menu is your number ten. All right, Babylon is number 10 for me. All right, so on the count of three, Naf, you have uh, the ability to defend your choice. One, two, three. What I think is really interesting is that both of these are films that the other person hasn't seen, and they're both 10th place. So it's going to be hard for me to rebut your number 10 choice. But look, I think the Babylon's going to be... we're moving on to number nine. <laughs> I was just going to add, I think the Babylon's going to be top five for me when, it, when I actually see it. I'm anticipating it. See, that's what I thought too. So that was one of the ones that did come down on my list significantly since mm. I saw it. Okay. Like, uh, I, I, I am interested to see what you think. Nonetheless, uh, number nine. Uh, wait, let me ask one. you a question first. Where do you think Triangle of Sadness is going to end up on your list? I would say that that probably will end up closer to top five. I don't know if it'll break top five, but I would say that it's going to probably be closer. Good. Cool. Because it seems interesting. Nine. All right. Sorry, one. So number nine. One, two, three. Top Gun Maverick. What did I say was 10? Uh, you said it, that was... Uh, uh, no, the menu. Oh, well, they're the other way around. The menu is ninth, uh, and Triangle of Sadness is 10th. Oh, okay. Because I was confused why you brought Triangle of Sadness for no reason. Yeah, that's right. Uh, all right. So there we go. The menu. Another one you haven't so, seen. And what was your ninth? Uh, Top Gun Maverick. Okay. Yeah, it's a great choice. Very, very well-made film. Um, the menu... So much for combat. <laughs> Aerial combat. 
Um, I think nice. uh, Top Gun's my eighth, so um, I think it's better than you. Oh, it was. spoilers! Um, I saw Top Gun twice in theaters, but look, the menu was one of my favorite cinema experiences for the year. I went by myself. I watched three films back to back. I watched Bones and All, Barbarian, and then the menu. And the menu was my favorite of the three. They said I left theaters going. I have nothing to hate about this film. Like in terms of what I wanted it to be, it gave me that. It was fun. It was dark. It was funny. It's very, very good. And with that said, uh, with with Top Gun Maverick for me, uh, I kind of felt similar. Where I had heard it built up a lot, I was uh, I was expecting it to be pretty great. I want to see it again because I think that this happened to me with Fury Road, where Fury Road gained more on a rewatch when I yeah. realized how much of the stuff was practical. I knew a lot of the stuff was practical in the movie, but I think now knowing what to expect about the film, I could appreciate it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It still had a thing where, I, again, we agreed. We talked about it earlier. A film that comes out so far later than when it when it uh, was made initially, and Nobody to have, and no one asked for, and it to be as it had no right to be as good as it was, and it, it was really great. And the fact that it was done, it probably will never be able to be done again. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, obviously that's my eighth place. So give me your eighth place, and then I'll talk about Top Gun a little bit as well. So what was your right. place? My number eight was Prey. Awesome. Um, for me, Top Gun, um, what was the point that I was going to add? Like, I actually thought it was going to be bad. Like, actively mm. bad. Because I'd seen the trailer for it so many times, and it was such a dull trailer. It just didn't put me... It wasn't until word of mouth that I went and watched the film. I wasn't going to see it at all. I I heard it was going to be good. So that was why when I went into it, I had some friends telling me that has one of the best third acts like that they they said it was the best third act they've seen since rogue one yeah and so i was, was like after actually hearing that stuff that i i actually made the intention to go and watch it before then i was not fussed i still would go i don't think it has as good in a third act as rogue one when i heard that comparison but nonetheless i was still like okay but nonetheless uh pray for me was number eight because again as i said earlier that film came out of nowhere for me that film really i don't I don't much care for the Predator franchise. I don't much understand it necessarily. But that film was so good. It, it, it felt like a Matt Reeves film, as we were talking about earlier. Like, it felt like it took a franchise and it took it seriously and it kind of set up its rules, set up its world, and it said, this is what it is. It has some of the best action sequences of the year. I don't understand why people didn't like it. Yes, you do. Well, yeah, we both know why they don't like it, um, unfortunately. Um, so that's why I thought it was eight. My rebuttal to you is... Um, December was just very, very good for me for films. Um, I saw Glass Onion. Um, I saw Banshees. I saw The Menu. I saw Triangle of Sadness. All Quiet on the Rest Western Front, which pushed these guys pushed Prey out of. I think Prey was six for me as well. Um, but these other films like yeah, The Menu and Triangle of Sadness and stuff like that. And they, I can understand that. Yeah, it it pushed it out. I would have loved to have it in my top ten. It just. I felt the same way about other films where I was like, dang, I don't think this cracks talk five now. Uh, but like, uh, yeah, I go all it, the it way down the... to number 25 on my list. And I'm still like, I love that movie. Yeah. Like I, I and I got to see the menu and a couple of those other ones that you mentioned, because I do, I have heard incredible things that I'm like, it might change my list dramatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, that said number seven, I think we're both going to, I think we're actually going to disagree on number seven, a fair amount. Uh, number seven. What was number seven for you? What was number seven for you? Glass Onion. Wow. Actually, I, I am I'm really happy that it ended up that high for you, actually. Um, yeah, 
I don't. I don't entirely disagree with you. I could see why. What's your number seven? Banshees of Inisherin. That look okay. All right. Yeah, this is one that we we do have a difference in where that is n n like put. I think what you're gonna find is that my top five is quite unhinged. <laughs> I am excited. Um. Yeah. But number seven, like again, one of my best cinema experiences of the year was fantastic. I don't have any way to fault it at all. I was thinking in my top 10 in total of like, what did I just love the most? What do I want to go back and see fair, again? Fair. What gave me the most everything, you know? Um, and Banshees did a lot of that. Um, but yeah, there are other films that just did that more. So there is. But yeah. I gave Banshees fair. a five like, out of five. And Gla Glass Onion was a similar thing for me where Glass Onion, uh, when I heard that they were going to make more Knives Out movies, I got to be honest, I was questioning it. I liked the first one a lot. However, I was wondering if Daniel Craig's character, because it kind of felt like in Knives Out, he was kind of like a retired, oh, I don't do this anymore, but I got hired for this. Why? Like mm -hmm. him asking, like, and that was such a cool thing to the character. And he's like, we have detectives, we have these other things. Why do that for me? You know, why do that? And that was what I didn't like about the idea of doing more is I'm like, it feels like Anna de Armas was the main character of the first one, not Daniel Craig. Why is it? I mean, not that like she needs more to her story, and Daniel Craig's character is the perfect person to have like kind of the spin-off. But I did feel that there was kind of a uh a, a certain thing there. Uh however, seeing Glass Onion did make me realize I want more of these and I don't want them to stop. Like if De yeah. if Ryan Johnson's career, which fortunately it's not because we're about to get that Peacock series. Um but in three weeks. Poker face. That's gonna be weekly knives weeks? out for ten weeks. January 26th. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited for that. And I, honestly, I kind of wanted to be a team up at some point as Natasha Leone and Daniel Craig to, to do a movie together. It could work. Like, because I'm in my headcanon, they changed her name from Natasha or her name is Natasha in the show. And it's the same character that she was uh, like in. It's it's a Marvel movie. Dude, because she was in Glass Onion. That'd be interesting. That'd That's be what I'm saying. Yeah. So um, I don't think we have said, her name in the... Uh, I think it it may have been said Natasha, I believe, like okay. uh, potentially. However, I could be wrong. In Glass but, Onion, it was, but I'm not sure about Poker Face. But, uh, yeah. but uh, Glass Onion, uh, I I think it, it, in short, it proved that it can work to me, and it proved that it wasn't a mistake. And I think that it makes me excited when I hear what the next one's gonna be. And I think that it also does prove that it does a lot of things right. Like again. I think that I prefer the first one to the second one, which is why it's a bit lower on my list. Uh, but on, only with regards to the fact that I think that the first one, the playing with the genre was so interesting. Like the idea that it's a whodunit, but you do know whodunit or do you? Mm. And then that kind of moment towards the end yeah. where it flips it on its head that it, it then makes you go, oh shit, it was this other person. It's and I thought that that was really great. One thing and this one was a little does. bit more traditional, but that was onion. <laughs> No, um, yep. I was going to say, one thing that Knives Out does really well, and I remember reading this, seeing this in one of the video essays I watched recently, is they talk about the metaphor in both films. And for uh, Knives Out, it's the donut. It's We thought that there was a hole in this donut, yeah. but the donut's hole had a hole within itself. So in fact, we were a hole within a donut's hole in a donut. Like, that's Knives Out. Yeah. You, we thought we had the right piece but there was a piece missing from the piece we had. Very good metaphor. And Glass Onion's the same deal, you know? It's that, like, 
you want it to be more complex than it is. It's not. And that's why it works. Um, no, it's just dumb. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a <laughs> great no, choice. It's, it's so there we go. Uh, right, now coming six. to our number, our number six choice. Uh, what did you have? The Batman. The Batman at number six. Okay, I'm going to have to disagree with you there. Uh, my number six was All Quiet on the Western Front. Ooh, All Quiet on the Western Front was 12th for me, after Prey. Okay, I, I can understand that, like, because cause it, it was lower on my list than I wanted it to be. I think it's because I love the first one so much, because there's a couple of scenes that are left out of this one. I think it's good that they were, because I don't think if they work well with the tone of this story... I would be interested to see a modern take on it because I think they were very powerful scenes in the original, and that's why I'm really excited to show it to you. Yeah. Because my like one of my favorite scenes in the entire thing, one of the things I still think about to this day, is not in the movie at all. And even wow. the scene that that is, which is the crater scene, where to me it's the iconic scene of the of the first movie, and it's the iconic scene of the book, is stuck in the crater with the with the enemy listening to him die. In the original movie and in the book, it's a monologue that he says. He says about, you were my, like, you're just a scared guy fighting for his country. And me, they tell us that you're monsters, and that's not it at all. It's a really, it is a little too much talking. Oh, no, it does a brilliant job of conveying that silently. It's the one thing that I go, okay, this is a little too Shakespearean, where it's like, oh, you had, it was... It's, it's a 1930s. Yeah, it's a 1930s movie. Yeah. It's a little bit too much of the talk, don't show. Yeah. But they do a lot in that film that is show, don't tell, which is why it was a different change. Why I'm excited for you to see it. So that's my short on All Quiet is that yeah. it had to be on the list. It still was impressive. It still was frightening. And I, but I, I, I had to put it at six because I wanted it to be higher, but I, I felt that it, it beats 1917 to me. Like it beats that easily out of the water. I I did not like 1917 as most people, and this kind of redeemed that for me. It was kind of mm-hmm. like this is what I wanted. Yeah, we were talking about that recently, and I get that. Um, yeah, for me, I mean, you know, we've spoken about the Batman at length. Like, there's literally not there's nothing bad about it at all. Like, it's in top like one percent of films that I watched here. I watched a lot of films. Um, yeah. I saw Batman three times in theaters. Loved it every time. Literally, nothing, nothing to hate on it. Some other things were just a lot more surprising. Better. <laughs> yeah. Fifth. Yeah. Uh, Fablemans. Okay, Fablemans. I uh, disagree. It's nineteenth for me. Um, I we spoke about it a little bit the other day. I really liked the first half. The second half, I like. Um, That's fair. Yeah, it, the first the first half I knew the story. Unfortunately, the first half mm. I knew that, fr- so it wasn't as compelling to me as I could imagine it was for others who don't know Spielberg's history as much. Yeah. So I kind of knew a lot of that stuff. It was just cool to see it actually told. Yeah. Um. But what was your number? What was your number uh, five? Uh. 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 Okay. All right. Again, which doesn't the- surprise me. That's that's number one for a lot of people. Yeah, um, it, I mean, it's one that probably one of the reasons why it's a little bit further back is that it's probably one that's a little bit harder to watch again, just because of the length. Um, like, 
you're, you're taking out a chunk of your day for that. Like, I think the Batman's coming up on three hours and Triple R's like three hours 20 or something like that. Like, it just, yeah. it's a lot of the day to go back. But honestly, it is some of the best fun I had, some of the best action, one of the most well-crafted films. And the fact that it came out of, uh, like, a much smaller country too, it's very impressive. Um, what about fourth? Banshees of Inner Sharon. Mm. The unbearable weight of massive talent. Really? That was we watched uh, this that... so early in the year, and it just stuck with me as one of my favorite. It was one of the first films I saw back at the theaters. We kept saying we wanted to go and watch it again, and we just didn't get the chance. And I'm still dying to see it again. I that fucking love that film. That was that was number twelve for me. Uh, number twelve was unbearable weight of massive talent. Uh, because uh, and I will say it was what sold me. I liked Pedro Pascal as an actor before so i loved him after that that's my like, favorite because I also, performance ever too i, I think that it, it's a great job and I, again i i didn't put it higher on my list mainly because of the fact that it was exactly what i wanted it to be it was a meme in a movie mm. like that's what it was yeah and it, it knew exactly what it was and it didn't try to be anything else but it also had something to say about people who are a little too pretentious about art and the idea that how come you can't enjoy other or listening again kind of how you approach stuff with certain things where it's like again when i hate I, like the only thing i hate about you being called a film snob is i don't think you are i think that you just have also been exposed to other things that are like unique and different mm -hmm. but what i think that that great scene with nicholas cage him saying like the idea of like paddington 2 and the whole thing of them going where it's like yeah sometimes it's these films that you really wouldn't expect yeah to be like again the films that we have on this list we're talking about banshees of inner sharon and prey are on the same list you know it's yep. like or top gun maverick and uh you know all quiet on the western front it's like they're they're so unique and i'm like i i think that that film really did hit the nail on the head so i don't i think that that's a really great i just, I just didn't expect it, it to be that yeah. high for you yeah, neither did I. It started, obviously, it was very early in the year. It started very high, and just every time I would watch a film, I'd go, was it better than that? No. It just it was and just a fantastic experience. Well, and Banshees was new for me. Banshees was uh, a little bit later. I kind of was on the train a little late. Yeah. But Banshees, uh, the reason it's at number four for me is because it's just, it's a really original story. It's a really original thing because it's kind of like thinking about the idea of just a person going, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. And it's a relationship ending between two people on a very small island that they really can't escape each other. Yeah. Like, and where, where and it's go? a thing of go. It's ghosting before there was ghosting. You know, it, it's I like I heard yes, somebody talk about that. I, you know, I, I I heard people talk about that, and, and like where it was like it, now you would just ghost, but you don't. You can't do that in that like at that time. And I, wrote, um... I was very, ex I was very excited for that. Uh, and I thought that it just also Carrie Condon's performance is one of the best of the year. Um, honestly, I want her to win supporting actress. If it's not Carrie Mulligan, mm. uh, I think Carrie Condon deserves it. Um, I can see that. Uh, because I think that she just delivers a very, she delivered the performance that everybody kind of felt that Kirsten Dunst delivered in Power of the Dog. You know how there was like a huge thing about that? Yeah. I still loved Kirsten Dunst's performance in that movie, but I think that this is the equivalent, but she actually delivered it and made the character super compelling to me. And 
compelling and interesting in a lot of ways. I also like that it was brother, sister, not husband and wife. Because mm. it easily could have been that. Yeah. And I thought that it was great to have it be a sister-brother dynamic and to have a cool thing there. So, moving on from that. Yeah. Unless you had something to add. Um, I think let's give three, two, and one at the same time. So like, I'll give you my three, two, one, and then you give me your three, two, one. I was just going to add with Banshees. Um, I wrote in my review for it that it handles two of my deepest fears. And one of them is dying and not being remembered for anything at all and just kind of fading into obscurity. And the other one is my waking up and going to see my friends and them going, I'm done with you. I'm tired of this. Bye. Yep. Um, yeah. But if I give you my and, three... And it's so simple, but yeah, let's do that. I'll give you my three top films. I'm sorry. Uh, in third place uh, is Glass Onion. Um, it just, it rocketed to the top very quickly above so many other things. I've watched it many times. I've dived into it. I'm, I'm keen to watch it again. I want to do video essays on it. I just, I love it. Um, and I'll, I've been fighting people about it that have been like, I don't know. But I think that comparing it to Knives Out, it has both of them do things better than the other. I like the cast of Knives Out more than I like the cast of Glass Onion. Fair. But then I like some of the characters. Like, it just, yeah, both of them have their merits. Of Which them. is what I, shows you it's a good film. Yeah, and I put them on the same level because some things Glass Onion does better and some things Knives Out does better. And they just, to me, they even out. They're very, very consistent. Um, which is hard to say for a, um, like franchise films. What the fuck is number two? Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Number two? And Batman is nowhere... Okay. What is number one? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Was number one until yesterday. My number oh. one film of the year is Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Wow. I can't even explain it. It, like, I sat there and we were watching it and we were on just like a bit of a date and we went and Lou didn't know what film we were watching. She didn't know what we were getting into. And we sat there and the whole time watching it, the amount of times that we would just look at each other and just be crying next to each other and just being like, how is this the most precious thing I've seen that's given me a new outlook on life in the way that everything ever all at once did with the, you know, nothing's meaning, everything is meaningless, so find the meaning in the nothing where it's the same sort of idea, but flip, think like Paddington 2. Like, you think we were talking I think about you, I think you just sold me that I need to watch this tonight. And I don't want to put it I in think... the form of like, like, it's not going to be best film for everyone, right? And I don't want to position it to you as, hey, watch sure. this. It's the greatest thing ever made. But it's I just yours. think there's something special there. There's something very, very special. And I fucking loved it. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, because I need to go on a rant about, like, save everything everywhere thoughts because I will continue mine with it, with that. So my number ones through, through like, uh, three, two, three one. through one. Number three is She Said. Great choice. Number three. And number. Oh, well, how can you <laughs> say it's great choice? Because you told me. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, like you haven't seen the film. God damn it. Uh, that one was the one that surprised the hell out of me for it being my number three. I saw the trailer to that film. I was sitting at a Universal Studios getting it for for an app for my job application, and the trailer had come out a fair amount ago. And I had heard about it. I had heard that it sounds interesting, and people had said that like, oh, it's kind of supposedly doing well. But uh, uh, that was a good clip to get. But by the way, uh, but uh, my whole feeling on it was, 
I was watching this. They had it muted. It was a muted trailer, but it was playing in the lobby. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, the tone of this looks really good. Like, the style looks really good. It looked very spotlight. I'm very excited to see it. And then, I watched, and then I watched the trailer. And then I saw the movie with my sister, my dad, Allie, and, and like, uh, my dad's girlfriend, his, uh, her family, and then my dad over Thanksgiving. And we sat there, and Allie and I are, like, looking at and, and Allie's also gotten me into true crime podcasts over the year. So it was one of those things where, and one of the things I'm always, like, kind of hesitant about is how do they show the victims? Something my mom did, something there. How are they shown? Because uh, if it glorifies what, like, if it kind of tries to make Harvey a character, you know, I don't like it as much. Mm-hmm. But I want to know about what happened. And it didn't. It showed how hard it was, but if there was no fluff except a little bit at the beginning, but that was just to set up the characters and Makes set up sense. the dynamic. It was so brilliant and it was so compelling. And they have lines in there that, that just make you go, mm. like, and it makes you have so much respect for people who did this. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a lot of respect for the article that was written. And it feels like it wasn't trying to make a bigger deal out of it than it was, but it also reminds you how different the world was even just a couple of years ago yeah like like the fact that this isn't the 70s this isn't watergate this is a couple of years ago and in 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 an industry that i'm a part of it felt like a very important movie to remember how far we've come in a short span of time still miles to go yeah but the fact that that showed precedent it gave me a lot of uh, impressive and that the film is just as good as spotlight i think in my opinion yeah number two was the batman great choice N- i'm gonna sorry yeah just mine's not for... surprising to you <laughs> you're not reacting yeah it's exactly what i expected i'm, I'm gonna butt in for a second as well i like i'm actually late now <laughs> I oh, know. Sir, sir, oh, so you're going to let me go Chuck McLeish on you for a little bit. You can Chuck McLeish on you for like three or I'm going to end up cutting you off. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Like, we, we're going to have to, like, all right, end it at some number point, one is but... uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, fuck it. Cares. Who cares? Gonna... Podcasting. Um, what I'll do is um, we I'm jump on. Man the Third at Movie Man Opinions. Uh, going over here doing that. Oh, guess what? We're doing a whole thing with one with the films, a whole festival for our things over there, and we're gonna do a great job. It's gonna be a fantastic award show that's gonna be next weekend or the weekend after, depends on how much I want to spite Nap for this. I think and, um, uh, and so your top three is um, exactly what I expected. It was boring. You're lame. You're basic. Bye. I stopped the stream. We've ended. They're not watching us anymore. I'm kidding. We're still live. Um, <laughs> look, um, I think I want to do another catch up with you to go through those top three in a bit more detail. And what I'll do is I'll record sure, that absolutely. and I'll add it into Spotify so that people can listen to it in sure. more detail. Um, sure, no but... worries. We can cut that into our thing there. But yeah. we can do that whenever. Uh, ultimately, makes sense. I was glad that your list surprised me at the end. It was really kind of cool to have that actually happen. Uh, like, I, I think that it makes sense for the films that you really enjoyed. And I think that that's, I'm really glad that Marcel the Shell with Shoes On did that for you. I'm actually probably going to watch it tonight now that <laughs> Can you've you given watch me that, that glowing of a review. I might have a double feature that's going to break me. Do it. You'll, you'll, it'll be worth it. It'll change you as a human, but you'll be, it'll be worth it. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to live stream that shit. But with that, of course, there are a lot of films we missed in 2022. Um, 
we'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on our picks, and we'd love to hear your picks as well. You can find us on Instagram, you can find us on TikTok and Twitter and all those places. I've actually got um, a little link tree for us as well, and this episode will be up on Spotify afterwards too. Um, and if you're on Spotify, hi. Um, but yeah, with that, if man, you're on Spotify, just let us know. Come to one of these streams because I don't know if you exist. Naf gets all the analytics. Exactly. But uh, as always, um, like pleasure doing a, a show with you again and hearing your conversations again. I think we have a really good, um, like we have very similar thoughts about films, which makes it easy to talk yeah. about them. And then yeah, even the things that we don't necessarily agree on, like. I think I think we have good conversations about. It. I think that... honestly, I don't even think that there's stuff that we really fully disagree on. Maybe Baz Luhrmann is the only one, but uh, that's that's fair. Uh, but nonetheless, like uh, obviously, great session. I'm very excited to hear. Uh, excited to talk with you more about it. Uh, obviously, thank you for listening, guys. And uh, as Abraham Lincoln once said, "Good morning." He would have said that at least once in his life. I'm just saying it's plausible that he did it. Yeah. All right. Bye.